No, uh, I did aerosol. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, but not the school. Yeah. I had a young captain, uh, a bear, Hebert. He was like a fucking seventeen-year-old kid. Graduated from LSU, and he was super gung ho. And his roommate, oh, seventeen, he was already a college graduate. No, he 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 was young. He was he looked seventeen. He was, I want to say, he was like a twenty-four-year-old, twenty-five-year-old troop commander. You know? Oh wow! Extremely okay. young. Uh, this guy, I haven't looked looked him up. He's probably fucking a general by now. Yeah. But uh, because <laughs> he was upward mobility. His roommate in college was a commander of a a brigade commander at of Nasty Girls in uh uh Utah. And oh. it was a combat aviation brigade. Mm. So they didn't have enough people. They were literally they would they're flying these missions getting ready for deployment and they were having the mechanics they had a mechanic and they would fly in drop the dude off with a book and he'd just sit there and read while they would fly around and then come back and pick him up doing that like six seven times a day and he was like would you fly my men like you get them to idaho and yeah so he convinced our brigade to send a platoon down to Idaho. And it's like uh, they brought in uh, one of the school teachers from uh, aerosol. And we spent six weeks on basically a vacation. We spent six weeks in Idaho just fucking flying around in helicopters and doing aerosol drills. And it was fucking badass. But it wasn't, you know, school. But when we got to Afghanistan, they were like, hey, uh, I need four guys to spin up. Okay. And as we're flying out there, they go, you guys are all air assault, right? And uh, uh, no, goes, eh, you'll be fine. Uh, I thought this, I thought, I thought you guys went to air, air assault school. Not exactly. Eh, it'll be all right. So welcome to the podcast, Rambling Doc J. Hey, hey, good to be here. Sweet. Finally. <laughs> yeah, I know it was a bit bit of a hassle um finally getting together, but we did. So but we got some people hired, so I'm actually getting some days off now scheduled. Yeah. Is it is that a cab on your um your vest? Yeah. Oh, this? Yeah. No, it's a combat cavalry badge. Uh oh. I didn't realize they had their own. They don't. Uh oh. <laughs> see it gets presented congress has to vote on it any new medals congress has to vote on 
and it it was shot down uh last time it was brought up mm. but uh see prior to 85 uh cavalry scouts were 11 deltas really it, yeah you had 11 bravo oh. 11 charlie and 11 delta so you guys actually used to technically be infantry right okay the, you know the men's version of it well and just for and, anyone uh, that's listening uh you were a cav scout and then retired as a medic from the army yes right? okay yeah and uh a lot of the uh cav guys especially air cav when they'd get their cibs they would pry off the rifle and uh solder on their uh cross sabers oh okay so it became a thing in vietnam and uh yeah they tried to get it pushed because i'll never wear a cab <laughs> never gonna do it uh <laughs> Never did wear it, never will wear it. Uh, and then they had the close quarters combat badge for a little bit. And that was close stupid quarters. too. Yeah. yeah. Before the cab, they had close quarters combat badge. See, personally, I think it should be... <clears throat> I don't think it should be an MOS-specific badge, although I get kind of why. But, like, it should be more... I'm, I mean, I don't really, I've right. never put serious thought into this, but like, it would seem that maybe a firefight badge versus like, you were just in the area kind of a badge. You know what I mean? Right. So like, one's like, yeah, this guy actually went and got into a firefight because it doesn't matter your MOS. If you got into a firefight, you should still be recognized for that, you know, versus just being in the area. Like some people I know, they weren't happy about it either. It wasn't their choice to get the badge. Right. You know, but they uh they also didn't agree that they should get it just because they got IDF within like 500 meters and yeah. some LT really wanted that CIB, you know. It's funny, like uh, in a convoy and uh, one of the vehicles get hit and a couple weeks later, Sergeant Major, some Sergeant Major comes out to our little checkpoint and holds a ceremony to give the mortarmen their CIBs. Yeah. And it's like, what? <laughs> it's like, dude, you never got out of the vehicle. <laughs> right. But still, it's like, oh, whatever. Well, and it's such a, a career booster, too, if you get one. Um, yeah. Yeah. I know, like, with uh, I have a buddy that was in or is in Ranger Regiment, and he was just explaining to me that, like, what happens with a lot of those guys, he says, like, no one's there for, like, a, their full career. Usually it's just a stepping stone to like special right. forces or something like that. Um, but they get dropped all the time for just the smallest of thing. Cause they have like an endless stream of recruits, X right. amount of slots. So yep. like the littlest thing gets you kicked. And he said that a lot of people that get kicked. Well, if you're in Ranger regiment, very quickly, you get, you know, a deployment patch, you get your right. CIB, you get to go to all these cool schools and you get all these little badges and medals on your uniform and when you go to a normal unit, like 1st Infantry Division after you were in regiment, right. let's say you're a specialist and you're just decked out with, you know, you could barely walk. You got so many medals on you. Right. And you're just going to fly up those ranks. But I don't know, because I have a buddy that went and passed Ranger School. And when he came back, they still kept him at specialist. 
for a while, even though he met the time and service, time and grade requirements to get a sergeant. So I don't know. But <clears throat> I always thought it was kind of neat, though, about the Army versus the other branches is like, if I'm walking around Fort Benning, every soldier I pass, I can instantly tell who he is, what he does, what's his yep. unit. Whereas like my little brother that's in the Marine Corps, uh, they're very, and I understand too, that they're very big on uh, uniformity. Like they used to not even have the names on the uniforms. Right. It was just United States Marine, nothing yep. special, even if you did stuff that was special, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't like the way the army promotes. I don't like it at all. Um, promotion boards are stupid. It's how much can you memorize? Now, I personally think promotion boards, I think first you should take a written test on your job. It's stupid to see a medic make sergeant who can't stick an IV. And it happens. It happens way too much. I think it should be a written test on how to do your job. And then I think promotion board instead of 670-1 states how long can your fingernails be? First of all, anyone with a fucking phone can look it up. Yeah. It's not a measurement of your leadership skills. I think they should ask you questions like, you have a soldier, a young private, who stinks, smells like mildew. How would you handle that? Because there's no right or wrong. Well, I mean, there are wrong answers, but there's no right answer. And it gives you an assessment of what type of NCO he's going to be. Whereas... So how uh, at a promotion board, I was at a striker unit and they go, how much fuel will your striker hold? Well, there's two 26 gallon tanks. How far can you go on a full tank? Uh, about 350 miles. And how many channels does your Harris radio hold? It's like, really? Yeah. Like, that's, that's going to determine whether or not I'm an NCO, a leader, and a trainer of men or not? That's stupid. I agree. I've seen a lot of turds um, go up the ranks. I've seen And I've seen some good ones, but I also agree. I've actually, it's funny you say that because I've talked about that with friends before. I know it's completely unrealistic and impractical, but I think the best way to promote at least in the infantry is like first okay who all right so do have that criteria that they must meet in order to qualify to become a sergeant but then right. once they qualify and they're populating on that list okay set it up more like a job interview you know first yeah. of all like let's just talk you know let don't come in here you could still do the formal thing where you have them come in in their dress uniform and all that yeah. but there should be a sit down interview too like where you're just talking yep. It's casual ranks put up, pulled off set to the side. You guys are just trying to get to know each other and then have them start asking questions directly related to the infantry or whatever the MOS yep. is. Then if it's an infantry job, 
take them out into the woods and give them four dudes and um, have them run some battle drills and just see how they lead, see how they, oh, yeah. they do. And you pick the four, like pick four of your soldiers that are not the best, you know, because if the platoon right. sends them, they're going to send the best four to try yep. to get that guy promoted. <laughs> and then after all that's done, um, maybe go talk to some of his subordinates and see, is this guy, <laughs> is this guy, uh, you know, just trashing his Joes? Like he looks good on paper, but he's just trashing his Joes. Talk to his peers. See, is this guy pulling his weight? You know, what do you guys think as fellow leaders, right? Talk to his seniors. Um, and don't just have one sponsor, like talk to the whole platoon that's right. been living with this guy, you know, and then make your decision. But I know if you got three or four first sergeants and a sergeant major for the board, those are really busy guys and they don't necessarily have time to go do all that. But like you would get a much better NCO than just, yeah. you know, what is, uh, what, what is Tim's? This is my squad. It was enacted by Sergeant Major Daly of the United States Army or, you know, whatever. Like, <clears throat> yeah, it's I think the Army as a whole, it's almost like when you make a business and, you know, there's so much there's such a better way you could run that business. But it's been built and ran for so long that you would literally just have to close the business down and rebuild it from the ground up. And you don't have that luxury in the military because you still have to have a force that's ready to defend. So you can't just shut the thing down and rebuild, you know? Right. Well, in all fairness, we have kind of shut it down lately. I don't know that we have a force ready to defend anymore, especially the Navy. Yeah. I mean, they fired ev they fired everybody with any substance and replaced really? them more. Yeah. What did, did they do that thing where they offer early retirement to the seniors and stuff? Or They fired all the command. Everyone that had a political disagreement with Papa Joe or Uncle Joe. Yeah, I don't like how the COVID vaccine um, became mandatory in the Army. No longer mandatory. Oh. It just became no longer mandatory. Because if it was complete, like, okay, I think at this point it is, um, it's been through the FDA. Not yet. No, it hasn't. Okay. Because I don't oh, think I'm sorry. The Moderna and Pfizer, they got emergency approval. Okay. But... So that must have been the Army's justification. Because I think initially it wasn't mandatory, but then after it received that approval. Right. Was... Yeah. I understand. I do understand that you can't, like, because one of the reasons I got out. I just hate the lack of freedom. Um, but yeah. I understand that that's just me. Like, if you're going to have an army, you need a big, huge, monstrous group of people that don't get a say, you know? Yeah, but it's supposed to be Met TC, right? Uh, mission first. And Met TC no longer exists. Um. <clears throat> yeah, Met TC, that was a. Uh... That was the NCO's answers for everything when they would get questioned on why they did something. <laughs> yeah. Met TC. Uh, for Which, anyone listening that don't know what that is, it's mission, enemy troops, terrain, time, and civilians on the battlefield. It's like yeah. a considerations for making a decision on the battlefield. It's mission first, enemy second, uh, terrain, then troops, then time. Then civvies. Like, 
in that's how you make decisions. It should be mission first. Now, gender equality is not part of MetTC. Um, political ideology is not part of MetTC. It's mission first. And I had a I had a dude, a staff sergeant, who refused to get a flu shot. And it's like, uh, you can't. Uh, I, I refuse for religious reasons. It's like, no, you, you can't. Uh, now, if you refuse to get a flu shot for religious reasons, no shame in that, no harm, no foul, we'll go ahead and put you out of the military and you can be a civilian where you have your religious freedoms. You know, it's yeah. like you can be a conscientious objector and I won't fight. That's fine. There's lots of stuff we can have you do overseas. But it's like, what is, it's like, are you Jewish? Are you Muslim? And he's like, why does everyone ask that? Well, because there is a head rabbi in the army. And he says that the flu shot is okay because God transmutates the pork gelatin into uh, medication, so it's no longer sinful. The head cleric, the number one Muslim uh, chaplain, he says essentially the same thing, that Allah will allow pork to save life. Because Allah cares more about people than not being, you know, eating ham or something. Yeah, I've had a friend on that's Muslim, and I, I think he uh, actually mentioned that in the Quran, and as long as it's a matter of self-preservation, like if you're if you're going to die and you got pork, you're right. going to eat the pork. Yeah. Like, well, this guy was Seventh-day Adventist. And it's, uh, they're kind of cool. Uh, they're similar to Jehovah's Witness in some ways. Uh, a lot of interesting little tidbits. But I was like, all right, are you allergic to latex? No. Are you allergic to eggs? No. All right. I got, I'll get an ovarist flu shot. Uh, this one has no pork products. I'll specially order the motherfucker for you. And he's like, well, how do I know? How do I know there's no pork in it? I was like, what? Like, are, you, you're giving me shit on this. Like, I'm going out of my way to help you, man. Now, um, for people that don't know that we're never in, there's people that actually mean what they're saying. And then there's people just playing the system. You think he was just playing the system trying to get out or you think? No, he wasn't trying to get out. He was trying to not get the flu shot. So he genuinely just did not want like... the flu shot. Okay. Now he said religious reasons, but it's like, look, this one doesn't violate your religion at all. Well, I, I, I don't want it. Like you got two choices, man. Get the fuck out or get the fucking shot. Like, 
those are your only two options. I'm the only motherfucker that's trying to find a way for you to get a shot because everyone else says just kick your ass the fuck out. Yeah, yeah. And finally he relented and got the shot. But he was like, I I need you to print off all the ingredients. I was like, look, here's a list of everything in this fucking shot. Here's the label on the shot. Here's the ingredients. If you got any questions about anything on there, I'll tell you what it is. And he was like, oh, I guess. Yeah, you fucking guess. Well, and this yeah. is a, a, you said a staff sergeant too, right? It's not like yeah. he didn't know better. Yeah. Just trying to be a fucking asshole. <laughs> was this a cab a cab scout staff sergeant or a medic staff Infantry. sergeant? Infantry. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. <sighs> but I mean, that's the interesting thing about religion, isn't it? Where everyone has their own take on their right. own religion. Not even just like everyone has a different religion. Everyone has their own take on their religion. You know? Like how many yeah. different sub-religions are there of Christianity? Yeah. <clears throat> that's why i like the i mean i don't know if non-denominational churches are any um better because they they really are still the same like they do yeah. have a denomination it's just their own denomination you know yeah. um they're just label free yeah it's hard to find a decent church um and everyone's looking for something different like for me because i'm just now coming back to the faith i'm looking for I'm kind of looking for an old school one, but not one that's like hateful, but I kind of want to go to somewhere where everyone's dressing up in suits and there's a choir yeah. and, a yeah. people, and there's a pastor that's not afraid to get a little angry on stage. You know, that's a, uh, that's what I'm looking for. And what I'm finding a lot of is like, you know, pastors that are, you know, all smiles and there's not really any substance yeah. to what they're saying. And they're just saying things that they know won't get them in trouble basically. Yeah. Um, and that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for someone that actually will say what, you know, the Bible teaches, regardless of how they may appear. Like someone that's principled, you know, that stands yeah. by their beliefs. So. Yeah, like. Uh, I have. I'm a licensed minister, but not a preacher. Uh, I've performed a lot of marriages. A lot of marriages. A few funerals, a few baptisms, but mostly marriages. And I married multiple same-sex couples. Now, if my church were to perform a same-sex marriage, I'd be a little like, uh, you shouldn't do that. Because it's it's against the church's rules. Yeah. But if the priest was like, yeah, I'll marry you guys. Let's go outside, fucking have a great big party and all this and that. Obviously, I'm fully on board. And that's... Some people might consider that a little hypocritical. Like, well, I mean... If you think there's nothing wrong with it, then why would it be against? Because, you know, the church has tradition. Big, you know, there's church doctrine and there's church tradition. 
and they're not always the same. Like, you, you can't wear a hat in church. That's not God's law. That's the church's law. Uh, up until 1967, women had to wear a hat in church. Mm. That wasn't God's law. That was tradition. Priests cannot be married. Not God's law. Church's law. Yeah. Uh, and I recognize there's a difference between the two, but, you know, tradition is, as uh, if you ever watch Fiddler on the Roof, tradition. No, it's important. It. Oh, yeah. great movie. Uh, and it's a little bit of a give and take there. Like, I could not get married in the church. I've been divorced a few times. <laughs> so I couldn't have a church wedding. But the church will recognize my marriage. They just can't give me a Catholic uh, wedding. Mm. Same thing with same-sex couples. They will recognize your marriage. They just can't perform it. Well, as I'm coming back to the faith, I'm trying to reapproach the Bible like I know nothing, you know, because I was raised in a religion, you know, like my dad's side was Baptist. My mom's side, she kind of started. She's like the first in the family. She's like the black sheep on her side that became religious. And um, <clears throat> yeah, so like, you know, I got one side that believes in speaking in tongues and then another side that's KJV only. So, right. you know, and so I've been blasted with a bunch of stuff that may not necessarily be strictly biblical. Right. So I'm trying to reapproach it that way. And one thing I was talking about to uh, my family the other day was like, you know, what I'm seeing a lot of is polygamous marriage, but I'm not seeing anything saying that there's something wrong with polygamous marriage. But right. I'm still very early on, like maybe New Testament. And their response was like, yeah, polygamous marriage was the way to go back then. Right. Because they were still trying to populate the earth. But now it's fully populated, so it just doesn't make sense to have multiple wives where you would try to have multiple kids with each one. Um, yeah. That's um, their reasoning. Theirs is more common sense, not like biblical. Right. Yeah. Wives became more of a partner and less property as time went on. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, like the big split... Uh, between Jews and Muslims is uh, uh, Abraham goes up on the mountain and he's going to murder his kid. And God's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I was joking. Don't do it. Yeah. Well, the split between Jews and Muslims is which kid it was that he brought up to the mountain. Hmm. Muslims, uh, let's see, Jews say it was Isaiah, and Muslims say it was uh, Ishmael. I probably got the names wrong, but, and that's where everything splits there. Uh, the one son goes on to teach these things, and the other son goes on to teach these things, and uh, that's where that religion splits, because for the first half, Jews and Muslims are the same religion. And then later, uh, uh, Jesus comes along and 
splits Judaism into Christianity and Judaism. So they all come from the same place. And I mean, when you talk about, uh, you know, like mom was uh, holiness Pentecostal. Dad was uh, Church of Christ. And they're wildly different. But they both come from the same origin as Islam. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, my mom made a good point the other day because uh, she's also an ordained minister. <laughs> and she can technically do marriages, even though she's never done one yet. But and she's her current job. It's a new one for her. I call her a death counselor because that's what she called it. But it's yeah. a bereavement something, something, something counselor. Yeah. Um, but basically, people that are on hospice, her job is to keep their mental health as high as possible until they expire. Um, right. And then help the family when that happens. You know, so it's a tough job. Um, but she told me that her... Your mother's a saint, by the way. <laughs> she is. She is. Um, My mom retired from hospice and... Fuck. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a that's a tough job. Um, and the hard part for her is that, you know, if you're a medical person or something, you can kind of. Uh, I mean, you would know you you were a medical person. You can kind yeah. of um, what would the word be, like you become a little desensitized, I guess, because yeah, you're seeing it so much, and you don't necessarily you can detach. That's the word I'm looking for. You can kind yeah. of detach. But with her, her, since she's like the counselor, she has to empathize with each and every single person and try to relate yep. with them and be, she, she has, becomes attached. You, you know? She has to form a emotional bond to someone in order to do die. her job the right way. Yeah. And Forming yeah. an emotional bond to someone that's going to die. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's tough. Um, but she was telling me about her take on religion now, like after all these years, is that everyone's wired a different way. So some people, uh, probably like my dad, they they would want more order and more law-based, you know, type of religion. Whereas some of the people that are a little more creative, or I, I don't know what the word would be, but that kind of a person yeah. may want something where there's like a band on stage, you know, singing praise right. and worship music and everyone's hands are in the air. And then she was saying that with, you know, Catholicism, that, that's for people that really like rituals and you know traditions yeah. and things like that so to her <clears throat> excuse me to her as long as to her as long as you've accepted christ as your lord and savior it doesn't really matter what religion you are go find right. whatever most appeals to you and then you know get plugged into that community and i that. uh i'm the only catholic in my family really the only one dad is one of 12 kids mom is one of five kids and uh everybody shit out a bunch of babies so there's a whole <laughs> bunch of people and i'm the only catholic yeah and it's a little interesting <clears throat> because catholics are not well thought of in parts of this country especially in the southeast with uh especially up in the hills like interesting fact if you're catholic you're not allowed in the kkk really 
I didn't it, know they uh, were picky. <laughs> yep, they're they only take wasps. White. I mean, I knew they were a little picky about yeah. a certain group. But... You have to be a, a wasp, a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. Oh. No Jews, no okay. Catholics. It's like, oh, interesting. Yeah. I, Which, I don't... you know, who would want to join the clan? But it's just, that's an example, you know. And that's Yeah, wait a minute. Where... How did you find this out, Mr. J? <laughs> because I live in a place where the clan still exists. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, geez, man. What's that yeah. like? Do they, do they still, uh, do they get in on the parades and everything? Or... No. So they're not no. accepted. They just exist there. Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, usually have their meetings in a church of all places. Really? Yeah. It's so crazy. And I know this because VFW, I'm the senior vice commander. And we've got a few. And it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> that still that still exists? It's like, okay. Well, it's weird that uh, you find a military member. Because, like, I mean, it's, it is just the reality that... <laughs> I don't know about military wide, but in the infantry, um, there's just not a lot of black people. Uh, right. Like I, I think I had three total in my platoon in my three years or whatever. Um, but the amount of white people or even Hispanic people were way more prevalent. Um, I think at one point in my career, 15% of the army was black. Yeah. But if you go to Fort Stewart, Georgia, population on base, it's like 35% of the soldiers are black. Wow. So it's like all the black soldiers go to Fort Stewart, Georgia. It's like they <laughs> sent them all there. <laughs> I, you know, I wonder, though, if it's uh, if it's reflective um, upon black people that they like they're you know black people just aren't joining the military or if it's proportional because there's literally that much less of or okay there's that small of an amount of black people that exist right. in the united states so proportionally it makes sense that there would be less yeah i don't know like there i want to say 13 percent. i think is the meme they make up 13 percent of the united states and they make about oh. the same amount of the military Oh, but, wow. okay. Uh, some areas are predominantly black, and some in many areas are predominantly white. Hmm. So you'll go to a place like uh, Georgia, and uh, I went to high school at an all black high school. Yeah, 2,700 students and less than 20 were white. Oh, so you were the minority. <laughs> and it was like, huh. This is I what it's like. <laughs> I, You know, I didn't think anything of it because I, you know, I grew up in as mixed a background as you could possibly get, you know. Yeah. From Germany to Baltimore to Texas, you know, all over. And yeah. It was never looked, we always 
It's where are you from and what sports teams do you like? Mm. That was the basis for everything. Yeah. And that generally followed up with what kind of music do you like? What kind of food do you like? You know, and you would form your friendships that way. But generally, where are you from and what sports teams do you like? Was the how you formed your early relationships with people. It's like, uh, I like basketball. Okay. I'm a Sonics fan. They don't exist anymore, but I liked the Sonics. <laughs> now I'm a Spurs fan, but yeah, I don't watch many sports. Um, and that was, you know, how, how you built the friendship. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you start shit talking each other right away. It's like, <laughs> Oh, I'm a 49ers fan. Oh, so you're a friend of Dorothy, eh? Yeah. It's like, what? It's like, well, <laughs> what's your team? Dallas Cowboys. Oh. <clears throat> well, my uh, my point in saying that, though, is that, you know, you finding people. Uh oh, did I lose you? Uh, we may have lost him for a second. Hopefully he reconnects shortly. But what I was going to say is my point is that, you know, finding someone in the VFW that's, oh, and then the uh, oh, we're uh, cut. You're cutting out a little bit, but don't worry, guys. We're gonna we're gonna reestablish the connection here. Maybe, yeah. Kind of break it up. <laughs> um. Okay. There we are. There we are. Yeah. Weird. Um. But no. My my point in saying that was that the VFW. You know, since it's all vets, it's kind of surprising that you'd find some of them that are in the KKK because, you know, you're surrounded by people from all kinds of different backgrounds, you know. Right. Um, like, I mean, I had a Guatemalan friend that was uh, an illegal citizen. He was earning his citizenship through the military. Um, there's a couple of black people. There's a lot of Puerto Ricans and mexicans right. and white people and asian people and it's like you were in the military and deployed with these people and then you came back and you still have a problem with people from a different race but did we are, are we are you there <laughs> i having... i can hear you i can oh, see okay. you <laughs> okay yeah um well, as long huh. as you can hear me and see me, that's fine. Yeah, that, that's it's odd. A, it was the Matrix. Yeah. They came for Andrew Tate, now they're coming for me. <laughs> yeah. You know, first you got your YouTube stricken or whatever. And what was that again? You want to talk about that a little bit? Why your YouTube channel got struck down? Yeah, I was sitting about 16,000 subs, uh, doing pretty good. And... I did a really good video. I uh, watched a 1950s PSA on the dangers of homosexuality. <laughs> and, you know, I very much slammed the video. I mean, it. you know, I definitely, I evaluated it on its merits. And it really was a good video on the dangers of pedophiles. And young boys are not as well protected as young girls. 
you know, a creepy guy, uh, at least back in the 50s, a creepy guy hanging out with a bunch of 10 year old girls. You're going to shoot his ass. Mm -hmm. But the friendly guy who's playing basketball with the kids and being a little too touchy feely. It was overlooked. So it was a very educational video on, you know, stranger danger. But they kept, instead of saying pedophile, they'd say homosexual. Oh. <laughs> and it's like, no, man, like, they're the dangers of sick-ass pedo perverts, not the dangers of gay people. Come on. And I've got many gay friends. In fact, I have a gay roommate. But I was wearing a MAGA hat when I did it. So it got flagged. And so was it just like a react kind of video? Like you were reacting to it? Yeah. Yeah. But because I wore MAGA hat, the someone reported it. And then the uh, content reviewer, I don't think they watched any of it. I think they just saw it, looked at this, looked at me with a MAGA hat and went, Oh, that's offensive. Boom. And gave mm -hmm. me a strike. I appealed it. They upheld it. And after that strike, it was within two days. I got two more strikes and got the uh, channel shut down. Yeah. that That's, uh, I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, YouTube is its own platform and it has the right to do what it wants on its platform. But at the same time, it's like, the censorship that they're trying to impose on us, they're really trying to control the narrative of what we're allowed to talk about and what we're not allowed to talk about. Even if we explored the Bible, something that's been accepted for right. generations, if we were to do that on this podcast and explain what's okay and not okay according to that, my YouTube channel might get taken down. Um, right. Or we made a video or we did a podcast the other day. It was just a fun one. Oh, you're just goofing around. I mean, I, I hang out with some degenerate people. Yeah. <laughs> and one of them's into furry porn, right? Um, nice. And he was saying, I'm into it for the art of it. You know, he's British and he's like, I'm into it for the art of it. Ah. You know, I, I don't really uh, like it. And then, of course, we started giving him a hard time about it. And I made a joke saying like, you know, I think the way you get into furry porn is first you start off looking at normal porn right like hot naked girls and then it turns into right. doggy position and then you click on that video <laughs> you watch it next thing you know you see a video of a, an actual doggy and you click on that one and i was just messing around i posted right. the video and i looked up words you're not allowed to sit you put in your title or say on youtube and it wouldn't give me a list it just told me like general things that anything that's considered yeah. discriminatory blah 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 but it's like with the description of what they said that i'm of the words that i'm not allowed to say you could use that on anything you know you could say right. that anything is discriminatory um so i don't know if that was okay to post but i did and I, I guess we'll find out but as far as i get private companies can do what they want yeah yeah but youtube is not a private company because they have 420 protection. Uh, not 420. Uh, 
There is a law. You cannot sue YouTube for people's content, right? Yeah. They are treated like a stadium, right? If Marilyn Manson puts on a concert and he says something offensive, you can't sue uh, Papa John Stadium. You have mm. to sue the concert promoters. YouTube gets that protection. The way you get that protection is you are not a publisher. You're a platform. See, if you're a publisher, then you have control over what over the, what's being put out. If you're a platform, hey, I'm just I just I'm a platform and the people say what they want. So if you're a platform and you have protection, then you don't get to editorialize. Like newspapers can be held for libel because they have an editor who determines what goes and what doesn't go in the newspaper. So if YouTube is going to editorialize and censor, then they should lose their protection. Simple yeah. as that. I didn't realize and that. And with actually. the Twitter files, and with the Twitter files that have been dropping, it has become abundantly clear that the government, the FBI in particular, was threatening to pull their protection if they didn't editorialize certain content providers, content creators. Like, you will shut down any discussion of the Hunter Biden laptop, or we will shut you down. And that's, so yeah, YouTube shouldn't be able to censor and have protection against well, libelous lawsuits. And part of the problem with YouTube is that they're making money off of you. So right. even if they're not monetizing your video, you're still pulling people to their application to, you know, they're, they're coming onto YouTube and looking at your content and YouTube makes money off of that. So like if they actually cared morally, like if they were these moral people that really cared about what you were posting, right. they just shut your whole channel down completely. They wouldn't just demonetize it. They leave it up right. because you're still generating money for YouTube so in a yep. way, they're they're almost just for profit uh, censoring you so that they can make money, more money off you because now they don't have to pay you. They don't have to give you a cut. Right. And it's that's that's pretty jacked up, in my opinion. That's why I think Rumble and Twitter is going to be the future. But yeah, I really hope they start working together more. Yeah, because with Elon protecting freedom of speech and Rumble, that being their big thing. I think that's the new angle that companies will have in the market right now. Like Elon Musk wants to take Twitter and turn it into Facebook. Yeah. Like he wants to, like he's going after Facebook uh, for Twitter to be more than just where you post this. I mean, you'll still have Twitter, but I think it won't be long until like you, uh, my podcast streams on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. And then 
live. And then afterwards, it goes to Rumble and mm. Odyssey. Goes to Rumble and Odyssey afterwards. Uh, not yet. I can't yet stream live to YouTube and Rumble simultaneously. Hmm. I think you can. I'm not quite sure how. Yeah. But I've not gotten any traction yet on Rumble, but I'm posting everything up there. I well, want to start doing uh, Rumble exclusives where I can say whatever I want, not dial mm -hmm. anything down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Rumble's great. I've, I've had trouble getting any kind of traction on there at all. Um, I did find out that Rumbles, when you get a Rumble, that's apparently like a like. And somehow oh. there's a way to... I guess you can like a video without watching it. That's how you get more rumbles than views. But it does seem weird to me, though, that I get 15 rumbles and only three views. Like, who's just going around clicking on yeah stuff, you know? Um, but I don't know. I, Rumble, I invested in it. Not much, like 50 bucks or whatever. Um, right. Because I figured they're going to go up quite a bit with all these big names like Donald Trump, Andrew Tate. I think even Donald Trump's kid um, is starting up a show on there. And a lot of these big names, uh, Russ, Russell Brand, I yeah. think he's on there now. Like a bunch of people are coming over because they're so sick of the censorship and getting taken down on all these other platforms. I feel like that's the way to go in the future, you know. But, yeah, you were asking about Andrew Tate. So as far as yeah. I know... Um, he was arrested and I don't believe he's actually been charged with anything yet, Right, but he's, I, I don't know what the correct legal term is, but I guess the accusation is human trafficking and rape. Um, right. and he, I don't know if I'm allowed to say, even say that word, but whatever. Um, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I hate, I hate the censorship, yeah. but, um, because like it's not like you're supporting it by saying it. You're just describing right. reality. Anyways, so yeah, they detain him for up to 30 days because he's a flight risk, you know, multimillionaire, private jets. He could just fly right. out of the country. So they detain him for 30 days, and his lawyer went to appeal that. And they they said no. The judge was like, absolutely not. And that, as far as I know, that's pretty much the current status of andrew tate i don't think there's really too many updates yet he's still waiting to go to court i know romania is moderately corrupt which is why he went over there <laughs> yeah yeah honestly i think it's the eu i mean look at tommy robinson uh the way the UK went after him. What what happened? I, I didn't know uh, that was. Oh, uh, Tommy Robinson is a was a reporter. There were nine refugees who were arrested for struggle cuddles with like a hundred kids. An entire gang of people were struggle cuddling young girls. 
And the judge deemed ruled that you can't comment on who they are, where they're from, or anything like that, because it would give a bad image to refugees. Tommy Robinson felt that protecting child predators is wrong, so he reported on it. He went to the courtroom, reported on it, named named the people, and showed their picture. Violated the judge's orders. Now, these nine people were given like six months in prison for these horrific crimes. Tommy Robinson was given 13 months for reporting on it. Wow. And then, later, so he's been labeled as Islamophobic and hateful and an evil person by the UK government. Someone walks up to his 10-year-old daughter and gooses her. What does that mean? Uh, pinched her butt. Oh. And he decked the guy, punched him. The guy happened to be a refugee. Not hard to find them in Europe. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he was given six months for a hate crime. For assaulting a Muslim. Jeez. And it's like... <sighs> now, uh, I've got many close friends that are Muslim. I have nothing but love and respect for Islam. But the refugees that are coming in from Syria and other places are not the best representation of uh, Muslims. There is a Sweden had struggle cuddles go up by 12,000%. Uh, Sweden a struggle became, cuddle? Is that, uh, is it... It's uh, assault of an adult variety. Okay. Uh, like grapes without the G. So, so they're basically their sexual crime towards minors impro or improved, <laughs> increased by 12,000%. Yeah. Okay. And Sweden for a time was the world leader in grenade attacks. There are more attacks by grenades in Sweden than any other country in the world. I did not know that. And that includes that included where there is a civil war going on in Syria. There are still more grenades being used in Sweden. Where are they getting these grenades? I don't know. That's that's so great because like if I wanted to go grenade people, I wouldn't know where to go here. Right. We're we're the big gun gun country, right? Like Yeah. What's well, like the uh acid attacks? happen more in London. If London were a country, they would be the world leader in acid attacks. And knife crime. There, there's so much knife yeah. crime there. Uh, knife violence, rather. And what's interesting about that is, like, you know, people criticize America for all the mass shooting, and granted, we have our problems, um, but even over there where it's, guns are illegal, and yeah, they're right. not doing it with guns, 
but there's still a host of other countries that are also it, it is also illegal to have guns and they don't have the same knife violence problem that london has right yeah and, i don't know so in 2020 there were in the u.s 12,000 gun deaths right wow uh however 60 percent of those are suicides That's, and now this is coming from a, a Pew Research, Pew uh, Research Center, right? Yeah. Um, there are, yeah, 43% of uh, gun violence are uh people shooting other people <clears throat> uh let's see in 2020 there were 24,000 suicides by guns and there were 19,000 uh homicides and there were uh 535 accidental discharges and 611 undetermined uh gun mishaps wow yeah i i don't know um the states i because I, I had an italian girlfriend when i was in italy and the way they think of us they they just think yeah. that like going to dunkin donuts you're gonna get into at least three firefights you yeah know? it's like it's like don't get me wrong there's probably more risk if you go to a concert or something like that but i've never personally i've never once been in a situation where someone had a gun and was trying to do harm to people um you know like it i don't know and i'm not saying it doesn't happen obviously it does but it's not as common right as people might think and then what they also i mean some of them obviously realize this but a lot of people i don't think really recognize how massive the united states is yeah 300 so, and 330 million people with less than twenty thousand uh homicides by gun yeah it's not that bad yeah exactly like so if you go to chicago well obviously you're going to have more problems than if you go to right east tennessee you know um but if you go to west tennessee you might have more problems than if you were in east tennessee you know so yeah. it's it's all localized like the problems that we're having with the gun issues excluding mass shooters because those seem to be kind of random um they're all localized within certain regions of the united states right for, yeah like i don't even know if this town's ever really had a mass shooting that i live in and i don't I've never heard of anyone getting shot here. I mean, I'm sure it's happened at some point, but it's not like a common thing, you know? And most of the time it's not a criminal thing. It's like what you're saying. Maybe it's a home defense situation right. or yeah. So um, I witnessed a shooting once. Great story. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What was that? Uh, 
it was a Christmas miracle. So it's Christmas Eve, and I'm in line at a gas station in Hinesville, Georgia, outside Fort Stewart. And there's three people in line. This old woman, she's like 212 years old, a dragon lady, <laughs> uh, a very old Korean lady. And uh, then there's a six foot four black man. Uh, well, I'm not sure how tall he he was probably six two, but he had two inch heels on. And a white leather miniskirt. Dude looked like uh, Lawrence Taylor. And uh, short, tiny little white miniskirt. Uh, little uh, crop top. I mean, <laughs> she was rocking it, right? And this guy comes in to ATM. And, like, he starts yelling. He's like, hey. It took $200 out of my account, but it didn't spit the money out. And the dude behind the cash register, he's like, uh, you have to call that number. It's like, it's Christmas Eve, 10 o'clock at night. Dude just got fucked, right? It yeah. sucks. Yeah. And he's like, well, give me my $200. He goes, that machine isn't mine. Has nothing to do with this. You got to call them. And he's like, I want my $200. And he's like, I'm sorry, I can't help you. The dude uh, goes out to his car and he comes back with a pistol. And he's pointing at the cashier. He's like, I want my $200. I guess he's going to rob the guy for his $200. $200. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> well, the 6'4 transvestite reaches up into her miniskirt. Pulls out a beautiful pearl handled 25. My mother has one just like it. That's how I, I re <laughs> remember it. Like, beautiful gun. And she pops him in the knee. And then walks over and with these giant catcher man claws, grabs his gun and smacks him. <laughs> and then walks over and hands the gun to the uh, cashier. And like, give me a carton of Newports. And I was like, I'll buy them. <laughs> <laughs> well, the uh, police show up and they're interviewing everyone. And he's like, so uh, that man, uh, he, he shot the other guy. I was like, uh, she did. He's like, I'm pretty sure that's a man. I was like, I'm pretty sure after watching her shoot that man and whip his ass she can go by whatever she wants <laughs> did the guy like, die and or no he... no just shot him in the leg oh wow and then and then slapped the shit out of him they came and arrested him <laughs> and uh and cops like all right i got one more question how was uh she how did she have the pistol up that little skirt i was like I don't know. You have to ask her. I'm sure she'll show you. <laughs> Which gun? <laughs> right? It's like, I was less impressed that 
the uh, uh, pistol was up there because I mean, as big as that dude was, I mean, he's got to have a fucking dangler, <laughs> and that was a short, short skirt. <laughs> I'm just saying, dude had to have a lot of duct tape and saran wrap. <laughs> yeah, which I know is how you tuck that away. Well, as I, a I was going. I won the I won the uh, ugliest woman contest last year. This uh, small little town has a contest every year for their like the anniversary of the town. They call it a homecoming. It marks the anniversary of something, but it's where people come, locals that have moved away. They all come back for this big event. They have mm -hmm. music and. Uh, one of the events is they have an ugly woman contest. They get local guys to dress and drag and vote on who's the ugliest. <laughs> Not the nicest thing, but it's in good fun. And, and you were victorious. Yes, I yes. won. <laughs> I put my beard in pigtails, painted them pink. Uh, I had a little mini skirt. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I feel like if you're really confident in yourself, you should always be able to put a mini skirt on and, and braid your beard and not really feel. I mean, you know, the, the mayor, the mayor himself asked the VFW, like, hey, we need we need ugly women. I was like, so you come <laughs> to us? And I and I look over at the female veterans like, no, uh, it, it we need men to dress up as women. I was like, oh, so you need the Marines. <laughs> Yeah, I don't I'm surprised that that is able to exist in today's uh PC society, you know. Right? But I guess you are in but, Kentucky, so. Yep. Yeah, and, were you born and raised there? No, no. Uh I didn't come I went to high school here for a year. And uh my parents retired here. Uh and I came back for 90 days my mom's brother and sister both had a stroke at the same time like within oh, weeks wow. of each other and mom was you know being a old retired nurse she's taking care of her sister when her brother has the stroke and she's just really being run ragged so i came up for 90 days to help out and it's been a lot longer than 90 days <laughs> and so you were you're talking about how this uh trans person must have had a massive schlong because of how big they were but as a medic you would actually know is penis size proportional to height or no is it random but it is a, it's mostly random uh yeah it is an outlier like if you got it someone who's six four they have a higher chance of having uh you know some schmeat than yeah. someone who's five two but it's not it's not definite yeah. um race height size all those things are myths yeah because I, I was about to ask because i used to have a buddy that was like five three and he had a massive one like everyone would always right. talk about it. he's like oh he's got a horse dick you know <laughs> yeah there are so short out there <laughs> like, yeah. There, there's some little dudes out there with big fucking peckers, and it's like, 
that's his third leg. <laughs> well, I'm glad we uh I'm glad we could talk about penis, but I need to pee real quick. So I'll be right back. All right. <laughs> I'm gonna get some water and pee. Um All right. back in like a minute. Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna urinate as well. All right, sweet piss break. <laughs> and we're back. We both refreshed Woo-hoo. ourselves. Yeah. I won the race, by the way. You did. <laughs> you did win the race, man. But I had to get water, huh. so you know. That's uh true. if it was a true competition of of pissing, uh, I think I'd win. Probably. No, I'm, no, I drink a lot of water, man. I, I'd probably be peeing forever. But well, I'm I'm 70 years old and got the prostate of a 90 year old. So you're 70? No, but oh, I oh, okay, it. okay. I was about to say, Damn, nah, I'm I'm, I'm just you? I'm just 40, 42. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, takes a minute. After 25, you really they don't count anymore. Yeah, I'm at 26, and people ask me how old I am, and I mean, I I just had to think about it for a second. Usually, yeah. wait, how old am I? Yeah, at 25, you can rent a car, you can get a loan without a cosigner. Yeah, if you have good credit, but if you have great credit and you're 22, they still want to cosign. It's weird. Yeah, yeah, I just got my car actually. Um, a little bit when we ran into each other. Basically, I yeah. had had car trouble when I first bought my car from CarMax. Well, they did pretty good. They took it back and gave me a loaner. Then I told them, I'm like, well, yo, I got to go to Iowa to see my mom for Christmas. That was my plan this whole time. And only because right. you guys gave me a car that's faulty would I even need to take this loaner. So do you guys want me to take the loaner? Or, you know, they just ended up putting me in a rental car from Enterprise. And nice. In a way, it was actually a blessing that I had all this car trouble because that was 2,500 miles I didn't have to put on my car. You know? Right. <laughs> I got a rental car in San Antonio, uh, Alamo, and they gave like this crazy active duty military discount. I got it for like pennies. Really? And I got one, I got like a tiny little Ford Festiva, Fiesta. Fiesta, something. yeah. Yeah. It's like a go-kart. <laughs> have you ever driven one? Um, I've driven a Focus, but not a Fiesta. See, I have a Focus now, or a Fusion. I've got a Focus or a Fusion, and my nephew has the other one. Oh, I thought you had a truck, because I remember when I was walking out of the gas station, I saw a truck over there. Oh, no, that was... My uh, brakes were out, so I was borrowing my dad's F-250. Oh, okay, okay. Man, you go from an F-250 to a Focus, <laughs> it's like, it's like I'm on the ground. <laughs> I wouldn't mind a truck myself, man, but I'm kind of broke, so I got to get what I can get. Man, that little Fiesta, you can park them anywhere. They got some zip. Yeah. Like, they are so fun to drive. Now, I don't know how well it would go, like, daily life and shopping and, you know, running kids around and that sort of thing. But for a rental car to just zip around town for a couple weeks, mm-hmm. man, you can park anywhere. And that thing turns on a dime. It yeah. really drives just like a go-kart. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I liked mine quite a bit. And I definitely drove that thing into the dirt. Like, I just drove it so much. I don't remember how many miles it had when I finally sold it, but 
<clears throat> yeah, I wouldn't mind a truck though, because I'm trying all these entrepreneurial ideas. Like I got my first right. gumball machine, and nice. I put that in. I finally got it into a barber shop. Um, and so I'm about to check it next week and just see how it's doing. But uh, and then another thing is uh, resealing driveways that I found. Oh, nice. Um, my friend that's in this part of Tennessee was telling me he's heard from a couple of people that have some serious money that they made some money resealing driveways uh, back when they were younger and just looking for a way to make some money in this part of town. And he said he even saw someone, because he works at these car dealerships, said he saw some, or a couple of rednecks with a beat-up F-150 that's 30 years old. They came out to this car dealership and cold-called it. Just went in there, talked to the dealership, Hey, your car lot kind of looks crappy. You want us to reseal it? And they were like, yeah. And so over the course of a couple of weeks, these they would just section off parts of the lot yeah. and reseal it. And they probably made bank. So I looked it up. It's not too expensive to get the resealing material. It comes right. pre, pre-mixed in a five-gallon bucket, and it's like 25 bucks or something. Right. <clears throat> And I'd like to be able to go and knock on doors or put out flyers or something and try to do that. But with a truck, you need a truck because like you got to be able to put a power yeah. washer in there to yeah. wash off the driveway, weed whacker to get all the grass out from the cracks. Yeah. And then, um, of course, the actual it sometimes it's like 25 gallons of this uh, resealer to get a driveway done. So I'll probably just end up having to rent from Home Depot, but <laughs> Right. We'll see how that goes. I know uh, my ex-wife's father uh, bought a car wash. Not like the fancy ones, just the hose. And, you know, you pull in just the old old school ones. Mm. And the overhead was so low, like it cost nothing to run them. And he was like, that's where... He was trying to get me to buy a car wash. (laughs) Now, what I want is a food truck. I want a food truck and I want to make sloppy Joe's. But I'll call them sloppy J's. Oh, I like your angle. And uh, my idea is I want to get ground chicken. Uh, beef, turkey, you know, various things, you know, three or four kinds of meat, maybe get some soy fucking fake meat and then get like four or five sauces, like a buffalo sauce, a tangy buffalo uh, or a tangy barbecue, you know, various sauces and hot dog buns. And, you know, take the uh, scoop of the meat Spray the sauce on it, mix it up, throw it on a hot dog bun, boom. I think park that outside factories, go to baseball games, that sort of thing. It's different. It's easy. And throw in a bag of chips or some tater tots, you know, because completely different than anything. Because everyone else has burgers and hot dogs and, you know, yeah, the, the usual but like, yeah, would you like a sloppy J? <laughs> well, I know when I was in construction, 
we loved it when those trucks would come around and it'd be like Mexican yep. food and they'd be selling Gatorades too. Mm-hmm. Um, they just come out, they'd have already made like a ton of burritos and like a ton of tacos and all that. And then they just roll around the subdivision of whatever's under construction and everyone just swarms them, you know, yep. just gets their food. And I definitely see that. Um, and I'm going to look it up real quick. I'm just curious how much a food truck actually costs. Let me see. So you can get a, uh, looks like you can get a pool, a pool behind food truck for around $20,000 or $25,000. If you No, there's no way it's that cheap for an actual truck. Oh, 50,000 to 175. There we go. Yeah. So, I mean, 50, but yeah, $50,000 plus all the food you need. Let's just say right. that was an extra three or $2,000, which is probably kind of on the higher end of it. Right. And then your LLC, 400 bucks. And then you probably really would want insurance if you were doing food. Um, right. And I don't even know how much that costs, but yeah. I, and I don't know what it's like with getting one of these trucks, how easy it's to get if you don't just have the money cash to buy one, if they right. finance like they do normal cars or if they're used to businesses, you know, but. And, you know, maybe just get a box truck and alter it. Yeah. Or back where I lived and yeah, box truck would work back where I lived when I was growing up in Florida, there was this taco truck that just parked at one of these gas stations and the gas station was, I don't know what arrangement they had, but they'd let them stay there. And people love going up to, it doesn't even, you don't even have to have good tacos really. I mean, you should, but like if you're from Mexico and you're making Mexican food, people love that, that authentic, you know, food from wherever the country is. Yeah. Yeah. Which I love Mexican food, but the farther you get away from Mexico, the worse the mix the Mexicans that open <laughs> restaurants, the food is not good. Yeah. They try to make it extra Mexican by over seasoning it. Well, what what's funny is like what when I was in Italy, there's American restaurants. You can go to a certain restaurant and get American food. And they're yeah. so racist. It's like it'll be like the only thing on the menu is like hamburger and fries and pancakes. But then they add in their little Italian spin on it. And I'm like, wait, this ain't American. You yeah. Know? Just like I'm sure they, they think the same when we make lasagna and spaghetti. They're like, wait a minute. Yeah. How you make it. And yeah, there's a making spaghetti. <laughs> yeah. 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 Don't Italians Italians make spaghetti badly. Yeah. That's right. Now the know sauce. I agree with you. That no, that, that's actually not true, man. The sauce is great but they undercook the noodles. I know they say we overcook the noodles. No, no, they undercook the noodles. Oh, because they like them al dente or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's right. That's right, Italy. (laughs) We took your food and made it better. (laughs) I saw your video on, uh, I can't remember her name, but the... Oh, Michelle Ng or Marcella Ng. Yeah. Yeah, I watched that video um, on the way to the gym. Or I left a comment. It was like, what, two or three weeks ago, I think. But yeah, 
Yeah. But no, that was cool. Cause I, I think one thing like definitely hats off to anyone that's done anything heroic and they should be recognized for that. But I don't think there's enough coverage necessarily of like your everyday heroes, you know, like people that yeah. just did something good. Cause like she didn't go to war, but she still was a great service member. You know, she still did right. a lot for the country. And she was a very good commanding officer. Yeah. Which you would think uh, she suffered sexism and racism. And at no point did it make her angry and bitter. Yeah. She just rocked it out. Yeah. Finished her career. Uh, yeah. Dad talked about how she was extremely fair. She was tough but she was fair. And it sounds like, like she's killing it now with business. Yeah. Yeah. Which Have I'm you glad. talked to her? Have you ever talked to her? I've never met her. Yeah, because uh, I know in the video you said you didn't, but I, I didn't know maybe after you'd ever no, met her. I'd love to, but no. Have you ever tried like to find her, reach out to her or anything? I haven't. Uh, thought about it like hey you're one of my dad's uh you're my dad's old commander and i made a youtube video about you check it out yeah i'm sure she'd love the youtube video man um and she's not famous so like you know you probably right. have a pretty good chance of like getting a hold of her and how cool would it be if y'all did like a little podcast or something you know that would be oh yeah interview would be amazing that'd be really cool and she might be open to it as she sees the video and she's like oh this guy you know he's He's not going to try to put me on blast or anything if I come on his podcast, you know. So yeah, see, that's a that's really good idea. Yeah, I'd love to see that. That'd be cool. And so with your channel, <clears throat> you don't necessarily do podcasts like this with other people. It's mainly you talking right. about certain topics, right? Which I used to, uh, uh, oddly enough, until. He moved in. I used to uh, do a podcast, The Hollywood Morgue, on uh, uh, Splatter Vision, his channel. And uh, we talked about movies and stuff. And mm. I used to go on Mr. CCDV. Uh, we'd have streams regularly, uh, which I need to do that again. He's a Canadian conservative Christian disabled vet. Or Canadian Christian, I don't. He's from he's from Something. Canada. Yeah, conservative Christian Canadian disabled vet, but there's only two C, so I don't know which Christian conservative and Canadian. Two of those are <laughs> the C's in the name. Yeah, I think it's Canadian. Now, um, uh, just shifting gears a little bit here, this is an idea I've been playing with because you know I love. Jocko Willink, um, I mean, not in a weird way. I love his content, um, yeah. and his podcast and everything. And he often talks about humility, you know, and how you should be humble. And the only person he can't teach is someone that's not humble. But then you go yeah. and flip over to someone like Andrew Tate, who's also a high performer, who is arguably extremely narcissistic and oh, yeah. has an ego and, you know, all that stuff. But I kind of get what he's saying, because like you look at other people like Conor McGregor, um, who <laughs> I remember one thing he said, I saw an interview with him and he they asked him, he was like, what would 
your 18 year old self say if they knew if he knew how famous you would end up becoming or how successful you'd end up becoming he'd be like he's like i I'd, I'd, I'd say you're you're fucking right <laughs> he's like i knew <laughs> from day one i would be successful <laughs> and yeah i think that a little bit of ego a little bit of arrogance is kind of powerful when it comes to accomplishing yes. hard tasks you know you see that a lot in the infantry like very arrogant narcissistic yes. ncos but sometimes not always but sometimes like i remember there was this one he was just such a a, a jerk off man we all hated him um we were he's the kind of guy that would room inspection every day zero five hundred checking the microwave opening the window sticking his hand on the outside windowsill oh, wiping it dick. and like that kind dick. of guy um yeah and <laughs> one time we were doing the virtual simulator like where it's a gun and you're shooting at the screen or whatever yeah and I was always horrible on that freaking thing, man. I, I don't know. I, I shoot expert on a real range, but on that thing, it's like, yeah, whatever. But, so I did horrible, and he just stands up. He's like, get well. I'm like, Roger Sarnett. He's like, you ever heard of a fobbit? I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> uh, no, Sarn, what's that? Even though I knew what it was. It's just I knew he, right. he'd crap on me harder if I, I, yeah. So he's like, that's you, Kidwell. That's you. I'm like, dude, I hate this guy, man. I hate this guy. But though he was so over the top with everything, like in garrison, but he was also always out there educating his guys because he wanted to be the best. He wanted his squad yeah. to be better than all the other squads. Like, if you're in my squad, you're squared away. You know, like, and that was actually, I would much rather be under. Now, I wouldn't want to be under a guy like that if I was never getting deployed. But if right. I was going to get deployed, that's the kind of guy I want taking me into combat. Yep. Yeah. Same thing with my platoon sergeant, even though I had like three or four of them. But the second to last one, um, everyone kind of hated him. He's big. You know, he's a jerk. He he'd go around. He's known for saying, like, telling the team leaders, like, team leaders, if you don't light, light a fire under their ass, I'm going to light a fire under your ass. You know, like, and he's just getting all up in their shit constantly. And <clears throat> but I remember one time we were in Morocco. And everyone started to heat cap. Um, yeah. Basically, we had to. We were in the Sahara Desert. We had just finished like a, I don't remember what it was, maybe a two day training event. We jumped into the desert, and then we had to do a bunch of stuff, and then we finally got back to where the tents are. But we had right. to end up walking with all our stuff because they dropped us off at the wrong or it wasn't the wrong spot but like the ammo turn in was like a right. mile and a half from where we were staying and yeah. the moroccans took off and they were our transportation so we just walked and you know they they got everything like all their equipment all their ruck the helmet everything and everyone made it there but like it's weird and maybe you could even speak to this as a medical person but like they didn't overheat on the way there but it was weird because like we would get to once they just, got there and they sat down, then everyone just fucking started dropping like flies. It must have yeah. been 25 people, 30 people. And he was and it was hilarious because like if you weren't that they started yelling at us, like, if you're not overheating and dying, you need to come over here and do your COVID test. It's like, are you serious, man? Like <laughs> there's 30 people heat catting right now, and y'all are still tripping it. But I mean, like this guy who had been deployed and done all this crazy crap. It's just like he kind of like snapped back into like 
killer mode and just instantly just started screaming like you hear you just started controlling the chaos and he got everyone that needed to be where they needed to be he got them all there you know yeah he got everyone taken care of the biggest douchebag platoon sergeant i'd ever had but clearly the most capable and he was right. also pretty arrogant kind of guy so i think arrogance has its place i think it can definitely go too far but i think it does have its place president 45 is an arrogant asshole and he handled North Korea. He handled international issues. He had seven countries formally recognize Israel as a nation. That's huge. Got the the embassy, moved it to Jerusalem. And everyone was like, oh, that's racist and awful and mean. Uh, Bill Clinton's the one who signed the order. He's the one who officially moved it to Jerusalem. 45, Trump, he was just the one who said, we're actually going to physically move it now. We're not going to, you know, the Israelis want it there. We're going to move our embassy there. That's where they want it. That's where I want it, and that's where we said we were going to put it. We're going to do it. Don't care if it pisses people off. Uh, he's not the kind of guy I would want to hang out with. He's not the kind of guy I'd be friends with. But he is the sergeant I would want leading me into combat, as opposed to W. George W. Bush, I like him. I think he's a great person. I think he's a good guy. I like what he says uh, outside of politics. You know, he really cares about veterans, and he's a good human being. Not the guy I want to lead me into combat. Yeah. Richard Nixon, I would want to lead me into combat. He's a prick. Awful fucking human being. But he handled Russia. Him and Kissinger handled Khrushchev. Mm -hmm. Kennedy got bent over like a breed mare. Or our current president who just gets bullied all the time and he's like yeah. laughing. And the thing is, like... We I, elected I mean, Justin Trudeau. Yeah. I mean, look at Justin Trudeau. Uh, Canada's uh, prime minister. He got fucking bitch-slapped by uh, Xi Jinping over in uh, China. Like, the guy poked him in the chest and said, this is what I want. And then while Trudeau's like, well, what I was thinking, he turned around and walked away from him. <laughs> and it's like, ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, whether... I mean, I'm sure President Biden is a good dude. And I think it's almost like wrong that we even have allowed him to enter this position because he's clearly unfit. So that's on us in a sense, but I don't know. I, I've even thought that when it comes to the military, we'd almost be better off having businessmen as generals rather than 
politicians. Yeah, because that's what they turn into eventually, just politicians. And, you know, businessmen are used to the cutthroat nature of reality, where it's like, we must produce or we must succeed or else we go out of business. And that's the bottom line. Whereas the military, it's like, of course, you must succeed in battle. But I'm saying um, you can make bad decisions financially or make bad decisions on things we get involved with. And you're still going to get funding. You're still going to have your position, still going to have your job. Um, And yeah, I just, I just think the military is in dire need of a, a reset, but I don't know how you actually go about executing that. I think Joe Biden is the worst vice president we've had since Lincoln, his vice president, Johnson is the worst vice president we've had next would be biden uh it's interesting you say vice president instead of him as the president when he was vice president he inserted his son in ukraine and used government money to pressure ukraine into firing the prosecutor investigating his son that's highly illegal. And he openly admitted so on stage in front of people. He goes, and I told him, if you want that billion dollars in aid, you're going to get rid of that guy. And they did. And everyone laughed about it. Like, that's illegal. Yeah. Um, when he was vice president, he had Obama fire the most successful military commander we've had since Patton. Because the guy made fun of him. And Rolling Stone magazine published a joke that was attributed to General McChrystal. And Joe Biden had Obama fire the man. Biggest turning point in the war in Afghanistan was when we lost McChrystal. He was, he's also the guy who uh, designed uh, the army, uh, combats uh hand-to-hand system he was a big fan of uh brazilian jiu-jitsu so he's the one that got him to take away the bayonets from uh basic training and add army combatives is that is that what the transition was was more jiu-jitsu focused type of combat right. than being okay because no one carries a bayonet and if you do carry a bayonet you're not going to stop and affix it to your weapon. Yeah, yeah. You know, you carry it on the side. But the Brits still put them on their weapons when they deploy. Yeah. 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 They're they're firm believers in bayonet training and that it's... Because to them, it's more about the warrior spirit. Like, in, yeah. Like, it's supposed to... What would the word be? Influence you with the warrior spirit when you have to do... You have to stab it and um yeah blood 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 you know stuff like what that. makes the grass grow blood yeah. blood blood <laughs> <laughs> yep yeah uh, yeah when i was in basic well when i went to osut we uh we had bayonets and we were one of the last classes to have it mm. yeah which is i like bayonets uh they're the best drills you'll ever get like you uh 
when you uh got to build a whack shack uh on deployment you take your bayonet because those things are sharp and you just and it will drill a perfect fucking hole in a piece of wood then you can run 554 through it and that's how you make your whack shacks what's a whack shack oh uh you don't have a uh, private quarters you know it's just yeah. a big tent with a whole bunch of uh uh cocks in it yeah at least we did it we had no running water or electricity either but uh you uh basically build uh dividers and you mm -hmm. hang your whoopee uh your poncho liner from it yeah 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 so you got your own separate little you got your own little private quarters okay and we call them whack shacks but what's the point of the hole is what i'm trying to figure out oh <laughs> the the hole so you run the 550 cord through that way you can hang your whoopee you can hang stuff oh okay 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 otherwise you just gotta like how else are you gonna attach it you're gonna tie it around the two by four i uh, thought you were talking about like a glory hole situation or something oh no yeah. no we're talking <laughs> We're talking something like that big. Oh, okay, like, okay. Like a pinhole. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, that uh yeah, those only glory holes to uh uh you know, guys from Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what's um what's your funniest story from the army? <laughs> uh Jesus. Uh, There's probably a lot of them. <laughs> when I first got in to the Army, uh, get to my first unit, and uh, my platoon sergeant, I'm at a, a striker unit. Platoon sergeant's like, points up at the antenna. He's like, you will get up there and you will tie that antenna down. All right. So I go put on my Kevlar and he's like, you don't got time for that. And take knocks the Kevlar off. Get up there. Get up there now. So I jump up there. No helmet. Big no-no. And I'm tying the... Uh, I go to tie the uh, antenna down. And the platoon sergeant walks away. The senior scout, the number two... Uh, in, in CAV, you've got uh, basically four teams, four trucks. Right? You've got the LT... He gets attached to the uh, a vehicle with, and that's the fuck up. Then you got the platoon sergeant, and you've got the senior scout, the highest, most experienced NCO other than the platoon sergeant. Then you have the junior scout, who is the third most senior NCO, and he gets his own vehicle. Well, the senior scout, so the number two guy, he's like the platoon sergeant when the platoon sergeant's not around. Yeah. He comes walking up, and he starts screaming at me, what are you doing up there without a Kevlar? Get down. No. You tied that on with no Kevlar. So untie it, get down here, put your Kevlar on, and get back up there and tie it. So I get down there, and he's got me doing push -ups. Are you still like a, so you're still a Joe at this point? Yeah, I'm fucking... Bare chest, no stripes. <laughs> Baby private. Okay. And so he's got me doing push-ups. 
and then he walks away around the back of the vehicle as the platoon sergeant comes around to the front just as I finish my push-ups. He's like, you didn't tie that down? Do push-ups. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I get done with push-ups. He's like, now get up there. And I go, he's like, no. I told you, you don't have time for the fucking Kevlar. And takes the Kevlar and throws it. <laughs> and I get up there. And as I get up there to the top to tie it down, platoon sergeant's walking around to the back and senior scout's coming. And he's like, what the fuck again, private? <laughs> get down here and do... And they do about three, four passes of it until I go to muscle failure. <laughs> now, I know what they're doing. Yeah. And it was always shit like that. And the platoon sergeant would... Whenever there's busy work to be done, all right, we're all going to go sweep and mop the fucking headquarters. He would take his men, his platoon, and he'd pull them. Fuck that. No, we got training to do. And he'd take us into the locker room, and he'd line us up, and he'd start grilling us questions. Job-related questions, not just stupid shit like, AR-670-1 state, no. Yeah, yeah. And if you were wrong, he'd yell at you and make you do push-ups. If you were right, he would congratulate you, tell you you're a great fucking asset and he's going to reward you by giving you extra pt and make you do push-ups <laughs> so dumb i hate it <laughs> and it was like fucking prick but one we were in i was in the best shape of my life because all we fucking did was pt <laughs> and we were the best platoon the most knowledgeable platoon the best in shape platoon because he was always teaching us. We were always going to fucking muscle failure. Yeah. And we were always learning. <laughs> and he would get us away from all the bullshit busy work. Yeah. So we were not, we were never sweeping and mopping and fucking pulling weeds. We would, he would fucking get us out there and drill us on land nav or yeah. um, weapon systems. What's well, the benefit when you got a, when you got a dog is a, the leader is like he yeah it sucks being like having to deal with this crap but at the same time Noah like company first sergeant is kind of staying away from your platoon yeah because your platoon's so over the top that he doesn't really have to say anything so and it kind of got into us where like it, we didn't even mind eventually you get to where you don't even mind doing the PT it just you know like uh, when you're sitting around nothing to do and you're bored, it's like, push-up race. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, we were great. We are fan-fucking-tastic. And that's, uh, I grew a mustache. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, people would always shit on it. And well, of course, sergeant, yeah. And we <laughs> had a sergeant major uh, from the infantry uh, across the way. Because uh, the way our brigade was, our squadron, was here. You got brigade headquarters, then you got squadron headquarters, battalion headquarters, battalion headquarters, battalion headquarters, right? You got three infantry battalions and one cav squadron. And all our 
So we have the four cab troops have their buildings. The four infantry have, and then four more infantry, and then over here, four more infantry. So we're surrounded by infantry all the time. Well, this infantry sergeant major just happens to walk by and starts yelling at me and talking shit about my mustache. And my uh, platoon daddy, lowly staff sergeant, walks over and goes, Sergeant Major, don't spank someone else's kids. <laughs> and he's like, excuse me, Sergeant? He said, uh, Sergeant Major, you don't spank other people's kids. You got a problem with one of my boys, you need to address his MCO. You don't go yelling at privates. You talk to their NCO. You don't spank other people's kids. And he was like, uh, I'm a sergeant major. I can do whatever the hell I want. And he walks over and gets right fucking this close. He goes, go back to infantry land with your blue tampon cord. <laughs> and the guy's just like, I'm going to talk to your sergeant major about this. He goes, that's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> sergeant major. <sighs> and next thing you know, I, me and my platoon sergeant are standing in sergeant major Hegadoosh. Great sergeant major. One of the finest sergeant majors I've ever met in my life. And his name is Hegadoosh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, everyone, I mean, he has the perfect name to be a prick, because it's like, that fucking mega douche. But no, great fucking Sergeant Major. But he was a dick. And he's like, he looks at Staff Sergeant Studebaker, and he's like, you can't talk to Sergeant Majors that way, even if they are infantry. And you, Private, you like that mustache? Uh, yes, Sergeant Major. He said, good. Because you can't shave it. You will wear that fucking mustache <laughs> as long as you're stationed here. You will not shave that motherfucker off. And he looks at Sergeant at Sergeant Stu and he's like, in fact, I think your whole fucking platoon needs mustaches. <laughs> and sure as shit, we all fucking grew mustaches and we would fucking do, we would Every chance we got, we would go over to battalion headquarters and fucking do PT right there in front of its fucking office. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like, uh, yeah, because I've never seen anything like that. I think it's, I think people just don't care as much as they used to. Yeah. At least generally speaking, I know there's still some good ones out there, but. Well, a good NCO nowadays is not going to make it a sergeant major. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, First Sergeant Pete, uh, when I was uh, in Afghanistan, there was an issue uh, where uh, a private left, uh, he was a specialist, became a private though, left behind in garrison on rear detachment was causing some issues for my family. Mm. He was causing problems with my wife and my teenage daughter. He was being very friendly with my teenage daughter. Oh, no. Yeah. And she reported his ass. 
and MPs came and got involved in this and that. And uh, the way I found out about it was because I've obviously I'm they found out before my wife could send the letter. First Sergeant Pete shows up at our little combat checkpoint. Again, we we don't have like running water and electricity. We've got the talk, you know, where we got our radios and all that. That has power, but our bunks don't or anything. He shows up down there and pulls me out and puts me in a fucking Humvee with him and the chaplain and a driver and takes me to squadron headquarters. And I'm like, okay, something bad's going on. And he's like, the whole time he's like, you're going to be fucking pissed off. You're going to be fucking pissed off. I'll tell you when we get there. Just want you to know everything's fine and it's fucking handled. It's fucking handled. But he gets me there. He's like, and lets me call my wife, which is, you know, shocking. You know, only phone call I got the whole time, I think. Maybe, maybe one other. And, and afterwards, he's like, all right. After I'm done talking, he's like, I promise you it's handled. I'm like, so you CMJ? He goes, no. That's not what I mean by handled. Yes, UCMJ is involved. Yes, he's going to be removed from the military. Yes, he might serve jail time. But it's handled. How so? I'm not telling you, but it's fucking handled. And the dude ended up... The only st version, only story I heard was he was in a car accident and broke both legs. <laughs> okay and he did not make sergeant major yeah because he did he cared <laughs> and he handled shit he did things the right way not to make himself look good he made his men look good yeah you make sergeant major by fucking people over and making yourself look better than the competition. Well, have you ever heard of uh, Colonel David Hackworth? No. Um, well, Jocko, Jocko is the way I found out about him. But he was one of the first senior leaders in Vietnam to sound off and say that this is, like, totally fucked what we're doing here. Uh, because basically, he had always tried his best. He joined the Army at the age of 15, um, like, you know, lied about his age. And just true old school kind of guy was in Korea, right. received a battlefield commission in Korea, got a special platoon because of his performance in his company. Um, almost, I, I wouldn't call him the father of special operations or anything like that, but before special operations was as big as it was, infantry units sometimes would create special platoons for certain tasks. And that's right. what he was in charge of. And, you know, he had, he had start. He loved Korea because it was combat. It was exactly what he wanted, and he did not want to go to the war college. He didn't want to do anything like that. Right. But they told him, like, "Hey, you're an officer now. You got to go to infantry basic officer leadership course or whatever it was back then." Yeah. And so he went back and all that stuff. And you know, fast forward to getting to a senior position. He was on his way to make brigadier general, but. He had 
you know, he had been chosen as like the aide to this general that was going around Vietnam. Uh, and he had made all these, uh, he, he kept trying to push things. He talked to these units. He'd figure out where we're not effective, where we are effective. Right. He kept trying to make us more effective and everything. And the leaders would just keep shooting it down because all they really cared about was their contracts with the private contractors. Um, right. Because they, eventually that would be where they worked once they were out of the army. Yep. So that was a big problem. Like with the M16, he was given an M16 before it was standard issue. And they were like, Hey, test this thing out. Give us your feedback. And he said, he shot it wet. He shot it dry. He shot it dirty. He shot it clean. He shot it in the cold. He shot it in the heat. He shot it in buildings. He shot it in the field, shot it in every single possible way you could possibly shoot the firearm. He said there was only one thing consistent about it every single time. And that's that it jammed, <laughs> you know, and he, he apparently like all these leaders had, or I don't know if it was all of them or if it was just him, but he had given his feedback and said that this is a horrible weapon system. We should not use it. But of course the generals right. that know that they're going to be working yep. for these companies after they get out made the arrangement. They went ahead and made the agreement so that they would, benefit monetarily later on right and so after seeing that no matter how many attempts he had made in all these different ways to somehow improve the way we were fighting because we would just give you know the vietnamese people all this fancy equipment and like with our helicopters they're very well maintained you know it's very strict the crew right. is very regimented about every single process yeah. that that bird will ever go through the Vietnamese weren't the same. They didn't take care of it. They're almost right. like spoiled children. You know, they got all these, this fancy yeah. equipment, they didn't take care of it. Um, And so he, he, and he led certain units over in Vietnam and the Vietnamese were always a problem in that sense. They didn't want to go out yeah. and do the patrols. They didn't want to go right. out and attack. They wanted the Americans to do it. Yep. So he finally did this interview with a news reporter that had been chasing him around and he kept avoiding it because he knew it would be the end of his career if he did. But he eventually did it and did this interview and was completely honest. And, it, you know, in his book, he talks about how dead he felt on the inside when he walked out because the army was his whole life. It was it's yeah. actually a sad story because he loved the army through and through. He'd been in it 20 plus years. Um, it was the only thing he ever cared about. He never even wanted to be an officer. He wanted to be an NCO. His first right. sergeant's the one that convinced him to accept the commission and uh, just a really good dude, but never made it to general because he sounded off, you know? Yeah. He almost got arrested and was like put into prison and everything. But luckily, I mean, you'd have to read the book, but he yeah. got out the other side. Man. <clears throat> ah. So he was McChrystal before McChrystal. <laughs> Yeah, I guess. <laughs> uh, you ever go to airborne school? No, uh, I did aerosol. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, but not the school. Yeah. I had a young captain, uh, A-Bear, Hebert. He was like a fucking 17-year-old kid. Graduated from LSU, and he was super gung-ho. And his roommate, oh, at 17, he was already a college graduate. No, he, he, he was young. He was, he looked 17. He was, I want to say he was like a 24 year old, 25 year old. 
troop commander, you know? Oh, wow. Extremely okay. young. Uh, this guy, I haven't looked looked him up. He's probably fucking a general by now. Yeah. But, uh, because <laughs> he was upward mobility. His roommate in college was a commander of a, a brigade commander at, of Nasty Girls in uh, uh, Utah. And oh. it was a combat aviation brigade. Mm. So they didn't have enough people. They were literally, they would, they're flying these missions getting ready for deployment and they were having the mechanics they had a mechanic and they would fly in drop the dude off with a book and he'd just sit there and read while they would fly around and then come back and pick him up doing that like six seven times a day and he was like would you fly my men like you get them to idaho and yeah so he could convinced our brigade to send a platoon down to Idaho. And it's like uh, they brought in uh, one of the school teachers from uh, Aerosol. And we spent six weeks on basically a vacation. We spent six weeks in Idaho just fucking flying around in helicopters and doing aerosol drills. And it was fucking badass. But it wasn't, you know, school. But when we got to Afghanistan, they were like, hey, uh, I need four guys to spin up. Okay. And as we're flying out there, they go, you guys are all air assault, right? And uh, uh, no, because eh, you'll be fine. Uh, I thought this, I thought... I thought you guys went to air, air assault school. Not exactly. Eh, it'll be all right. <laughs> that's but that's crazy. Fun stuff. I mean, it was fucking badass. Yeah, I've never done the ropes. They called it air assault. What we did on a couple of training exercises where we were flown in by helicopters, but they would land, you know, and then yeah. they would dismount. Um, so not true air assault, I guess, but... It was still cool being part of like a training event yeah. where you're flying in on helicopters and everything. Oh man, it's badass. Yeah. Um like, but... I would love to go air assault. I would have loved to have gone to school and gotten a tab and fucking been to a unit and just done that all the time. <laughs> would I don't have been know. Great. You you might you might have ended up hating it though if you had to do it all the time. Eh, better than marching all the time. <laughs> I don't know. I'm glad I did airborne. Um, I think it was definitely an experience, but uh, if I had stayed in, I definitely would have wanted to go to a leg unit as my yeah. next unit. Um, but I almost got kicked out of airborne school. Yeah. It's actually a pretty interesting story. I need to turn this down. Why is the VA is calling me? They oh. must have uh, detected the we're talking about them. Yeah. But, <laughs> no, but I almost got kicked out of airborne school and it was, you know, it was like my big dream basically to be airborne. Right. Cause I was at the time I was just spraying fertilizer on grass and like, I was kind of right. wanted to do the army thing, but I let people talk me out of it. 
Um, and then there was also like the weird, that it, they kept changing their standard. If you had a GED, like first you could join and then right. like you can. Then you had to have a certain amount of community college. Yeah. yeah. But it, when I ended up joining GED was good to go, uh, especially now because they're so desperate. But I, I remember signing up and then I was talking to some guy on Xbox that was also signing up for infantry. And he's like, yeah, man, I'm about to be airborne, bro. I'm like, how'd you do that? He's like, I just asked him like, what, what you could just ask them to, you could just be airborne. Okay. And so I called him. I'm like, Hey, uh, can I be airborne? He's like, yeah, sure, man. (laughs) Okay. And so, (laughs) um, he put it on my contract and then, you know, I went to Benning, did infantryosa. It was one of the last all male cycles um that was 14 weeks and all that oh man um, i forgot i forgot <laughs> yeah yeah so all the the naked dressing up in your flick and helmet and going up yeah. to the other bays and fighting people and just all the retardation that you yeah. see um yeah that i still got to experience some of that and then i went to airborne school and of course the airborne school at the time felt like vacation because i just gotten out of basic yeah. And it was like, I got all the, I can actually leave the base on the weekends. What? You know? Right. Um, and so I started airport. Or it's funny because I graduated from OSUT at NIM, the National Infantry Museum. And yeah. that, and that place, not to get sidetracked, but that place is really cool because they make the uh, grounds that you graduate on. They take dirt from all the battlefields the army's ever been involved or the infantry and the army's ever been involved with and they put it all onto this field so when you graduate you're standing on the blood and dirt of infantrymen before you you know that's cool um it is really cool national infantry museum over at fort benning is really cool they also have uh, bradley right that's omar bradley his stuff's all there right i'm not sure um but if he was in the infantry then yeah probably um yeah well he was a tanker but back then it was they weren't tankers they were still infantry i think i think uh tankers their home is binning as well now yeah. mistaken it uh, used to be fort knox kentucky yeah. oh, okay pat general Patton refused uh, his family refused to have his stuff moved to uh uh fort benning oh. so Patton museum and all his stuff is still at Fort Knox. They said he uh they refused to send it to infantry land. Mm. So when Cav and Tankers moved to Bradley or moved to Benning, Patton stayed at Knox. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um but anyways, yeah. I, I graduate on on NIM. That was cool. And then, you know, as I'm trying to say bye to my family, I'm getting screamed at to go get on a bus or whatever. And uh <laughs> That's always a uh, that that was kind of, I mean, because you know you grow up with your family and everything. Yeah. Even though I was in my twenties, I you know still was like, right. oh man, I can't say bye, you know, properly. And so, anyways, I get on the bus, I go to airborne school, uh, and as soon as we get there, the drill sergeants had told us not to have anything in our pockets for graduation, because we were wearing you know our our dress uniforms, we were wearing our OCPs, right. So. They didn't want our pockets all bulging and bulky and everything. They wanted them flat. And we were like, well, drill sergeant, you know, we're like those of us that were going to airborne school. We we're like, we're going to airborne school. What about our PC? Shouldn't we have our PC on us, our cap? And he was he was like, no, no, it's fine. Trust me, guys. You're going to be okay. 
they, they were kind of being cool with us now that we had graduated. He's like, you're going to be okay. They're, they don't care. All right. It's not going to be a big deal. And now it was a big deal. You, yeah. And nowadays <laughs> you wear a U.S. Army patch or no, not on your right sleeve, but on your left sleeve, if you're not assigned to a unit, it's just what? literally, yeah, just U.S. Army. So we show up, we're, we got our stupid little U.S. Army patch on and our retarded fuzzy black beret yeah. and uh, <laughs> and some Navy guy, because it's a joint school that has multiple right. branches. Um, uh, no, actually, no, I think it was an Army guy. The Navy guy told us, like, get in formation, blah, 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 blah. And we showed up and we're like, oh, crap, we thought this was going to be fun. And then... Uh, <laughs> Some army guy comes out and just starts smoking the piss out of him. He's like, why don't you have your patrol caps on? You just started in the army. There's no excuse. First impression to last impression. And you suck. And we're just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and he's like, get your PCs. And so we're all like running toward. And we have like a bunch of duffel bags because we just got out of basic. Right. So everyone's just trying to like rip it out. Some dudes like lost the key to their padlocks they had put on the duffel bags. Yeah, and like it was just a whole smoke show. They just started smoking the yeah. piss out of us. And we found out that that was actually uncommon. They did they don't normally do that. It was just that guy was just having a bad day and just wanted to smoke <laughs> us. Um so that's my introduction to airborne school and then finally we get set up in the real airborne school where it's like okay, you know, this is where the chow hole is, this is where the shop bed is. They had a little gaming center called Drop Zone that you could go to. Nice. Um all that stuff, you know, and then we start. We start airborne school. There's ground week, tower week, and then the actual jumping out of the plane week. And, you know, we had gotten through ground week. We were in tower week. And there's this 34-foot tower that's part of the training. And everyone right. has to jump out of that and do it so many times in every direction. It's like eight good jumps. But then the airborne instructor is sitting there with his megaphone and basically just telling you you messed up like you jumped it up you didn't jump strong enough or you jumped too weak or uh you jumped too strong or i don't know like they, they just come up with yeah. dumb reasons to make you do it again and you're wearing it's like you're actually fully kitted up like you have right. a fake parachute or maybe it's not fake but it's a retired parachute you got your parachute you got your ruck you got your all your equipment, your helmet and everything. It's in Georgia and it's the middle of summer. And right. you have to climb five flights of stairs to get to the top of this 34 foot tower. You're doing it all day long. So it gets really hot. They had like, they had to stop training like four times because people would pass out. They'd have to get right. an ambulance out and everything. And so finally we get to the end of the day. There's this other guy and he's, he's pretty fat. Um, not even just by army standards, like by normal standards. I, I don't know how he got there, but he did. And he was like, bro, I'm going to die, man. I need water. I need to cool down. And they had those immersion tanks, like with the ice and everything. Yeah. Um, and they had a rule there that you had to go because they're under trade-off rules. Yeah. So it's like all the super over-the-top rules regarding yeah. safety. We weren't allowed to go anywhere unless you had at least a battle buddy if it was at such a temperature. And then you had to have four people if it was at an even higher temperature. Right. And so he was coming up to me because he wanted me to come with him. Like, okay. So we go over there because I'm pretty hot too. And we weren't the only ones that had this idea. Everyone wanted to go cool down at the end of the day. So the whole tank was just swarmed with people. And the guy I was with was like, 
bro, I can't wait, man. I can't, I can't wait until they're out of the way. And so he just goes to the cooler next to it that has all the big ice blocks in it. And he sticks his hands in there in his arms. And um, Sergeant Airborne walks up. And I guess people had been doing this all day and it was really pissing him off. He's like, what's your roster name here? They're like, three, uh, three, eight, three, Sergeant Airborne was mine. And he said his. He's like, did you know that you're not supposed to be doing this? And he's like, no, Sergeant Airborne. He's like, you didn't hear me say to all the other people not to do this. And it's like, uh, no, no, Sergeant Airborne. Uh, we we honestly and we really didn't. We we had no right. idea that this was on the other side, you know. And so he's like, Roger that. And he wrote down our roster numbers. And we get back at the end of the day, you know, we all march back and they start reading off roster numbers that had gotten spot reports throughout the day. And mine and this other guy's got called. And we were hoping that this guy was just pissed off and like he was just gonna see reason right chill out once he had walked away. But no. So we, we went into the first sergeant's office and he, he just was straight up like, hey, listen, nothing personal, gentlemen. OK, made a mistake, whatever is what it is. I'm going to recommend you from for a drop from airborne school. And we, we were like, what? You know, and th- like that was my big dream at the time. I wanted to be airborne. Yeah. That was my thing. So I started getting a little. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I got a little emotional. You know, I didn't like right. sob or nothing, but I was like come on man like you know right. so he said but but i'm a fair first sergeant if you guys want to come talk to me about this afterwards um one-on-one we could do that okay we could do that and so i go in there because i really you know want to stay in and i'm like first aren't this is my goal this is my dream you know this is something i want to do uh and he's like okay well the best i could do for you is recommend you for a recycle but you'll still get to stay in airborne school. And I just took it. And I was like, all right, thank you. Yeah, I'll take that. Yeah. Cause I'd, I'd rather redo this than just not be able to do it at all. And <clears throat> the next or the other guy though, that I was with, he appealed it. He was like, absolutely not. He's like, I will not go through all this again. So I'm either getting kicked out or they're just going to put me back in. You know, that was his reasoning. He's like, if they try to recycle me, I'm not doing it. And so he appealed I thought he was crazy because we were both just privates at the time and they had went ahead and put me on like that rear D like what they do with all the failures, yeah. you know? So I was on staff duty, just sitting there. And this guy, apparently, while I was just sitting there on staff duty, since he appealed it, had it had gone up to the commander of airborne school. And so he's in there, you know, he walks into the, I guess he was a Colonel or something or general, maybe, I, I don't know. He walks into his office and, He's like, so why are you in my office? He's like, well, uh, Colonel, I was removed from airborne school and I don't believe it was fair. He's like, well, yeah, well, I see a report here that makes it seem pretty fair. Apparently you stuck your hands, your feet, your ass, your head, all that inside of in the immersion tanks. And he's like, uh, no, sir, that, that, that's actually not at all what happened, sir. Uh, what happened was we you know, the tank was swarmed and I went to the cooler and I stuck my hands in the cooler and then my buddy did as well. And he was like, so you're calling my first sergeant a liar. He's like, no, sir, I'm not calling him a liar. I'm just telling you the truth. And I mean, that was, that was a pretty clever little turnaround back to the commander. And he's like, all right, Roger that. He calls in the first sergeant. He's like, first sergeant, did you sure these guys just stuck their hands in, in the cooler? He's like, 
Roger that, sir. That's exactly what happened. And he's like, okay, we'll put them back in training. I'm not going to, you you know, we had four heat cats that day, right? First one. He's like, yeah. And it's like, okay, well, I'm not going to punish these guys for it being such a hot day. And they're just, you know, taking care of their safety by trying to cool down in the cooler. And that's all that was available to them. They were just trying to protect army property. It, of course he didn't word it like that, but he, right. um, and the first sergeant was like, okay. And so I'm sitting on staff duty and then some airborne instructor just walks up to me and he's like, yeah, well, get your helmet, get your, get your PPE, get in the van. I'm like, Roger, that's aren't and I was like afraid to ask what, why, you know? Yeah. And, and so I just went and got my helmet and all that stuff. I hopped in the van and I see my buddy in there and he's like, like he's, he's word, he's mouthing the words to me. And I was like, what? And he's like, and I was like, <laughs> the, the guy driving, you know, he's just like, shut the hell up. And it's like, like, he's just pissed that we, you know, we, we got away with it. And yeah. then I went up, you know, he drops us off where our original training platoon was. And my instructor comes up to me. He's like, hey, bro, I want you to do something. You got a target on your back. You mess up one time, one time and you're out. And I'm like, I just like, I'm dumbfounded at this point. I'm like, I didn't even do anything, man. Like I, I seriously <laughs> didn't do anything, but you're making me feel like I'm a criminal. And uh, they called us ass dunkers for the rest of the, nice. the airborne school. And, um, no, I mean, he, he, he talked all that smack, but they left us alone, you know, like they forgot all about it. They were just, they, they got way too much going on. They don't have time for, you know, revenge. So yeah, I fucking hated Tradoc. Yeah. Tradoc's rough. When I, uh, got reclassed to medic, I came from Afghanistan Back to Garrison, I was there for two weeks, not even a month, and then I get sent to AIT. Uh, with a whole bunch of fucking people fresh out of basic. Not OSUT, <laughs> basic. Now, were you treated different because you're yeah already? Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Well, one, we didn't have, uh, we weren't in the same barracks. Hmm. We were a mile away in Navy barracks, which means I had to walk a mile every morning to get there for PT and uh, walk a mile back. Yeah. Because we weren't allowed to have vehicles. Although someone had their car and like they were like you can't da, 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 da. and he's like yeah uh that's not what it says in my orders one of the other prior service guys he's like no i that's my pov uh i can have my car and i can drive it i belong to you from 5 a.m till the uh close of business every day anytime anything outside of that I'll drive my car if I want. So after that, we all just piled in his car. <laughs> but uh, I got stuck on, I'm on staff duty and I'm filing papers. And I 
fuck it. Let me look at people. Let me start going through people's ERBs. I'm bored. <laughs> 2 a.m. Fuck it. Yeah. One of the instructors who's always talking about when you're in the war and he's got his 82nd airborne uh, deployment patch. Oh, yeah. Medic. And I'm like, looking, I'm like, so where was he at? Oh, Haiti. He spent 60 days in Haiti on hurricane relief. <laughs> huh. Interesting. <laughs> and uh I didn't I didn't say nothing. Well, I uh was I ended up getting a profile because it's like 26 weeks. It's a long ass AIT. I had a cyst removed from my scrotum. Oof. Funny thing, uh, the medic that did it was also, uh, he was also one of the medics in Afghanistan and at Fort Lewis. So this dude literally played with my balls <laughs> at three different places. He played with my balls in Germany, in Afghanistan, in Texas, and Washington State. So it's like, man... <laughs> weird we've really been through the ringer together like man <laughs> I, th I think we need to uh take vacation go to south america just so you can play with my balls on a fourth continent <laughs> 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 but uh so i get a cyst removed uh scariest thing ever to happen in my life was because they put this fucking uh cloth up the uh, fucking paper so you can't see nothing right they spray your shit with benzocaine so it's numb and they just you know cut a cyst off just topical no big deal didn't really need it removed i was just like you know what i'm bored i got nothing going on fuck it all kinds of medics getting training yeah, let's go get this clipped off. Well, <laughs> the nurse, and I can just see like people's faces. I can't see anything like here down on them. She goes, Oh shit. Oh shit. You don't do that. <laughs> so I fucking grab the paper and I fucking rip. I'm like, What? She's like, You didn't sign the consent form. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I was like, why the fuck would you? No. <laughs> like, it's just a consent form. I'm like, don't say, oh shit, oh shit, while you're fucking cutting on my balls. <laughs> <laughs> Screw that, man. <laughs> but uh, I got a profile for like three days. I couldn't do certain exercises. I could still march. I could still run. But like. I can't really like sit down and do like some of the uh, stretches and this fucking instructor, he starts fucking yelling at me. He's like, bah, 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 bah. you know, they don't have profiles in the war, son. Oh no, this guy. And I was like, Sergeant, 
I just came from the war. You've never been. Don't talk to me about the war. <laughs> shouldn't have done it. Definitely shouldn't have done it in front of everybody. Yeah. Because he went the fuck off and pulls me in the fucking office with the first sergeant who was a female. First female first sergeant I had. I mean, it was interesting. And I'm like, ma'am, uh, it's first sergeant. Uh, sorry. It's like, well, I'm not an officer. I'm like, you're right, ma'am, uh, first sergeant. It's like, is it so fucking hard for you to call me first sergeant because I'm a woman? I'm like, yes. <laughs> yes, it is. It's like, not the answer she was expecting. It's like, what? I'm like, I'm old school. While I think you have every right to be a first sergeant and you deserve to be a first sergeant and you deserve to be treated with the utmost respect as a first sergeant. The fact that you're a woman, regardless of rank, race, age, it has been for decades, it has been drilled into my head to say, yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Uh, it's going to be difficult for me to get out of that habit. It's like, I understand. Please try to call me first sergeant. Yes, first sergeant. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's interesting because you probably actually earned some brownie points with her just by being honest, you know. And and again, I just come from Afghanistan, and and I was like, look, I I apologize. It was uncalled for to call Sergeant medic out on his lack of a deployment. I'm sure he wants to deploy. I'm sure he wishes he had gone to Afghanistan. It just seems a little insulting to those of us that were there. And I've still not washed all the sand off yet. And you were an E you were an E five at the time, right? Nah, just a lowly corporal. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, And it's like, you know, shouldn't have done it. It was uncalled for. But also, he probably shouldn't be telling war stories in front of actual war veterans. And she was like, well, I wasn't aware he was doing that. I'll, I'll have to talk to him about it. It didn't change. Yeah. Uh, camp, you got like this two-week camp at the end. It's like a mock deployment. Uh, Camp Bullis and this motherfucker he's fucking shouting at people and he's like what are you gonna do when you're in Kabul or what are you gonna do when you're at Kandahar Air Base and they're shooting mortars at you and you're running low on water I was like well sergeant if I'm at CAF and they're shooting mortars at me and I'm out of water I'm going to go to the PX and buy some fucking beer and soda. <laughs> like, excuse me? Canhart Air Base? Yeah, CAF has a uh, 
or Kenhart Airfield. They got a Popeyes. They got a Pizza Hut. They got a fucking PX. You can rent a fucking car at CAF. They have. I saw a Toby Keith concert at CAF. <laughs> like, now you mean Kandahar? They're probably not going to shoot mortars at you. Probably going to be mostly IEDs or uh, uh, RPGs. But sure, if that were to happen, yeah, I could get that. But uh, you probably don't want to say anything about CAF if you've not been there. If you've not experienced the poo pond, shouldn't talk about CAF. <laughs> well, I meant Kandahar. Sure. Gotcha. <laughs> so you were hated pretty much all through AIT. That dude fucking hated me with a passion. And then Did the company... It, now, were there instructors that were combat vets that kind of were like chuckling on the inside, you think? or I'm, I'm sure there were. Yeah. Because I fucking would not... I would not play his fucking game. Yeah. And like, look, if I fuck up, I fuck up. You want to rip my ass? Sure. You want to fucking yell at me for no fucking reason? That's fine, too. I get it. But I'm not a fucking baby private. And I'm not fresh from basic training. I never went to basic training. And they'd be like, well, how, you remember this from basic? I didn't go to basic, sergeant. Well, you didn't go to basic. No, I went to OSUT. That's 18 weeks, kid. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, one thing about the NCOs I've noticed. It's it's becoming a problem now in the Army that everyone's so focused on the garrison side. Yeah, You know, everyone wants to look good on their ERB and go to the board yeah. and get promoted. But the coolest <laughs> NCO I ever had was my last team leader. And he was a sniper that had went to Afghanistan, deployed. He had been on actual missions as a sniper, had a CIV from being a sniper. And he had also been an infantryman when he was in the National Guard for like eight years before he became infantry. So chillest guy ever. And then when we got, he didn't really talk to us much when we weren't literally in the field doing stuff. Um, But when we were, we would go out, it would be nighttime, we would be in the woods doing a nods walk. Uh, or practicing crossing an LDA or, you know, yeah. something like that. And then he'd pull us in a circle and just be like, guys, this is like the real stuff. He's like, I know this stuff sucks and everything, but like, this is the coolest part about the army. It's like, you know, it's just us. We got our little squad here. We're out in the woods. We're training. We're getting to know each other. He's like, for me, this is what it's all about. And I, I always thought I always really respected him because he always had that approach. He didn't care about anything garrison. He was notorious right. for just like leaving work just cause. And it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, what are you going to do? You know, like he was also like the most experienced guy in the company. So he's kind of like a rock star. Like no one would say anything to him. And with me getting out, a lot of times they give you like the last month to just go out process, do what you got to do. And they still might want you for PT formations and stuff like that. But this guy, they do room inspections every Monday, you know, be a, you know, douchebag kind of inspections. But then my team leader would just pop in and be like, all right, looks clean to me. He's like, uh, yeah, 
don't worry about PT formation. I'm gonna go do my own thing. Just uh, I'll text you if I need you. Just go do it. And I was still like four months out. You <laughs> know, he just didn't care. And so I, I just got to live my best. All my friends hated me because I just got yeah. to live in the barracks. I just go out into the town and eat at a restaurant or something in the middle of the day, get on Xbox <laughs> and play Minecraft with my buddies and <laughs> get drunk and go to sleep and wake up and do it all again. <laughs> like if the last four months made me want to reenlist because of how chill this guy was. Yeah. I started thinking he's granted. Yeah. If I still had to go to the field and do stuff, maybe I would, wouldn't look at it with his rose colored glasses, but right. I was thinking, man, if more NCOs were like this guy, because like all the hardcore ones, the ones that are like super, you know, up your ass and yeah. everything, those are the least experienced dudes usually. Yeah. Um, that I've seen. Like the most experienced dudes, they're chill. Like they're they're now you do something like certain things. Yeah. Like you leave your rifle somewhere. Oh it's man. the end, it's the end of the world as you know it. <laughs> you know, like it's just your your day is your week is done. Yeah. You're not doing anything ever. Again, like they're just gonna ruin you, right? Um, but with all the stuff that really didn't matter, he never ever made a big deal of it. And I just wish more NCOs were kind of like him, but I, you know, and then there was another one that always kind of viewed me as a turd, but I still view him as a good guy. Um, because he'd always be on my case. He'd be like, Yeah, if you wanted to stay in the army, I I think you'd make a great sergeant. I think uh he's like, I'd help you every step along the way. So he's that kind of a guy who's a big supporter right. of his subordinates. But then he'd also be like, but you're also fat. You should run more because you suck at running, <laughs> you know? And I didn't. I didn't run because I was so, like, my last year in the Army, I yeah. probably did turn into a giant turd. I just I yeah. didn't care. I thought that, like, it was all pointless. These guys, they're just, you know, the this isn't what I thought it was going to be. I'm getting out. I don't care anymore. Right. Screw you. That was kind of my attitude, even though I agree it was the wrong one. Um but he would always hold me accountable and he'd always like have these digs at me. But <laughs> to be honest, I probably deserved them to be fair, you know? So, and it, he never made it all the way up the chain. He took the crap from the platoon. Cause like what I noticed was like the platoon sergeant at the time noticed his high performance. Like he failed a five miler. It was supposed right. to be done in 40 minutes. He did it in 42, but he kept running the five miles over and over and over again there were other NCOs that had failed it and wouldn't, you know, do what he did, but he kept doing right. it over and over and over again until he finally passed it. And this is all on his own. Right. He didn't do it for the company. And he took a picture of his watch. Sent it to the platoon sergeant. Like, hey, I'm up to standard now. He didn't have to do that. That was all of his own initiative. Right. You know? um, but it's almost like the platoon sergeant was kind of jealous of the guy. Like he almost sabotaged him just because, he noticed his high performance and didn't yeah. like the competition. So I don't know the yeah. politics, the hierarchy They're killing the army. Yeah. And a lot of people, at least when I was getting out, the thought, the school of thought is like the army's not going to get fixed until we go to war again, like real war, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people are going to die. And then like, eventually they're going to be like, Whoa, we've really screwed this up. We need to start doing things right. And then after a lot of people die, that's when it'll get fixed. Hard, hard times make hard men. And then the success of that makes life easy. And that makes easy men. Yeah. And then, yeah, it's a lovely cycle. Yeah. Uh, that, uh, that quote or whatever, it's like, 
hard hard men or strong men make good times good times make weak men weak men make yeah. bad times bad times make strong men yeah yep. you know i i got smoked a lot for shit i shouldn't have yep but i got smoked for some shit that i deserved <laughs> and there's times when i should have gotten smoked and did not uh <laughs> Sergeant Major caught me stealing batteries from a tank. Okay. Why were you stealing batteries from a tank? Because ours were dead. Oh. No, you weren't stealing them. You were acquiring them. Tactical acquisition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he was like, what the fuck are you doing? I was like, Sergeant Major, I'm stealing these batteries. Why? Uh, my vehicle's down. And I'm getting it up. So you're going to steal the batteries? Yes. And what makes you think that's okay? It's like, well, Sergeant Major, my truck comes first. My platoon comes second. My troop comes third. My squadron comes fourth. And I stole these batteries from an infantry battalion. <laughs> I was like I will go and I will piss on that battalion sergeant major if you need it done that being said I'll piss on you if my platoon sergeant needs it done <laughs> you told him that? <laughs> yep and he's like Uh, son, I was like, met PC, Sergeant Major? He's like, yeah, it's probably a better way to put it. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to talk to your platoon sergeant. I'm like, I expect you will, Sergeant Major. It's uh, uh, Staff Sergeant uh, Studebaker. I'm over in Comanche. He's like, I know, Stu. I could have guessed you'd be one of his. <laughs> <laughs> and Sergeant Stu's like, did you really say that, Sergeant Major? Yep. Carry on. <laughs> I think they're so caught I, off guard when you show confidence <laughs> like that. That and just complete honesty. Like, yeah, I got caught stealing a fucking radio from another vehicle. And it's like, the fuck you doing, soldier? It's like, my radio's down. Uh, it's the uh, troop commander's uh, Humvee. Need a radio. I'll bring it back when we're done. It's like, you can't just take stuff. I was like, I need a radio. My com The commander, the captain needs a radio. I'm getting a radio. Uh, you want to write me up for it? Smoke me for it? Absolutely. I'll be back right after, uh, right after we're done. I'll come over here and get smoked. He's like, all right. I come back with radio. I'm like, here you go. Uh, ready to get smoked. He goes, no, no, you're fine. Go <laughs> ahead. Thanks for bringing it back. Fucking thief. <laughs> like, thanks, Sergeant. <laughs> yeah, but, one of my favorite, uh, 
one of my favorite things that I used to do as a prank was I would go to like I'd be riding with a buddy because in Italy, not most people didn't have a car because like you're in Italy. You could get one, but most people just wouldn't. So I did it. And I would ride with a buddy to the other base because we had like two tiny little bases that were just four or five miles from each other. And if you were on this base, sometimes you had to go to this one for stuff and vice versa. So, you know, we would go to the other base. And as long as you have enough confidence when you say something, people just assume you have rank. And so (laughs) I'd be riding in the passenger seat with the seatbelt going over my rank. And, you know, I'd see some like staff sergeant or some sergeant or whatever. Just like roll down the window. Fix your fucking beret. Just roll it up. Keep walking and like <laughs> they they you'd see him flinch. They'd be like, oh. <laughs> but like, dude, you know, I'm just some specialist just rolling around with my buddies, yelling at these <laughs> random like E5s, E6s. I never had the balls. Actually, I don't know if I even did an E6. I I was still a little bit of a coward, <laughs> but E5s are fair game. <laughs> I was uh doc I was on staff duty and stalking to the uh OIC. Uh fucking lowly little set, uh first lieutenant. And I was like, you know, sir, let me teach you something about the army. He's like, Oh, okay, specialist. What are you teach me about the army? The power of the clipboard. It's like, what do you mean? I'm like, watch. Take a clipboard, go into the ops sergeant major's office. And he's sitting at his desk. I walk in with clipboard, just a fucking duty roster on it, just piece of paper. And I walk in with a pen, Mike, and I just walk in, don't knock. I just walk in, I go, oh. Hey, Sergeant Major, uh, sorry about that. Walk over to his fucking shelf, right? Adjust one of the books. And I'm like, uh, Sergeant Major, uh, uh, how long do you have left at this duty station? He's like, uh, got another 18 months. I'm like, all right. Thanks, Sergeant Major. Uh, hope you have a great day and walk out. And he's like, what the fuck? I'm like, power of the clipboard. They assume you're on a detail, you're doing something, and they just leave you the fuck alone. You can do anything as long as you have a clipboard. Yeah. That's why it's so effective. <laughs> yep. <laughs> because, like, people, because the risk is so high. Like, if you do some, if you try to play the system like that, you get caught, you're yep. screwed. But most people would never think that you would be that dumb. Right. right. They're, they're not dumb, but like that ballsy, right? Because of what the consequences. But yeah. like if, if you are that ballsy. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And if they ever ask you like why? Oh, uh I I, I was just curious, Sergeant Major. What's clipboard for? Oh, it's 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 the duty roster. Why do you have the duty roster? Uh just trying to check the dates, make sure there's nothing uh, contrasting with people's schedules. <laughs> okay. Carry on. <laughs> like, just simple answers. 
and don't give too much information away. <laughs> when I was getting out, because they're having such a big problem with retention, um, the Sergeant Major had a new policy, and that's for everyone that wants to ETS from the Army has to come into his office. And for people listening, <laughs> that just means ETS just means you're getting out. Yeah. And so for me to ETS, I had to go sit in his office as part of my processing. And he just wanted to do a little, he didn't say, it wasn't, he didn't say that he was doing it to try to retain you. He said he was doing it just to make sure that you were prepared for the outside world. You know, like, yeah, right. play, he's playing the system. So I'm sitting it, or I'm sorry. They call me on the phone and I'm still like a month or two out, you know, so I'm chilling. I got my chill ass team leader. That's just letting me do whatever I want. Basically right. I'm in civilians on the other base eating tacos at Taco Bell. And this chick calls me and she's like, she's working in the ops office. And she's like, Kenwell. I'm like, yeah, what's going on? And she's like, uh, you got to go see Sergeant Major like right now. And I'm like, well, I'm on the other base. And she's like, well, you need to get back as soon as possible. When's the bus leaving? And I just added like 30 minutes on to when the bus was actually leaving so that I would have time to go change and everything. Right. I didn't want to explain them in civilians, but right. you don't think like that when you're a private, you're like, Oh, the bus leaves at this time. Like you don't think ahead, right. you know? yep. but um so I get back, you know, I go change, I go over to his office. He's not in there. And so I go and um talk to the people up front. And they're like, Oh, he's out on lunch. I'm like, oh, okay. That, that's reasonable. It is like lunchtime. I just wish they would have told me that, you know. Right. And so I came back. I'm like, is he in? Yeah. Go back there, go to parade rest. Uh, Sergeant Major, I was told you want to see me. And he's like, he just like doesn't even look away from his computer. He just points at the chair next to him. And I'm like, Roger, Sergeant Major. And so I come in and sit down. He just like peeks at my name tag and pulls me up on the spreadsheet. He's like, oh, Kidwell, you're in this company, this platoon, this squad, battle roster number, blah, blah, blah. Da, 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 da. Acting like he knew this off the top of his head. I'm like, right. Oh my God, just watch you pull up the spreadsheet. <laughs> like, and he's like, so he, he just turns and finally looks at me dead in the eyes. And this is like former Ranger Regiment, CIV killer, you know? I'm like, oh. right. I'm just like shaking in my boots, basically. And he's like, so you want to get out of the army, huh? It's like, Roger Star Major, like, what do you want to do? I was like, well, I want to fly helicopters and be a comedian. And <laughs> He's like, and I'm not a helicopter pilot. I gave right. up on that. Um, not give up. I just made a different decision. But, and he just like looks at me. He's like, you know, the army has helicopters, right? It's <laughs> <laughs> like, Roger, sorry, major. I do. He's like, well, why, why would you not want to fly helicopters in the United States army? It's like, well, because I just personally, sorry, major. I just don't like the lack of freedom and the 10 year commitment kind of scares me. Um, what if I get in there and I want to get out and then I'm stuck in for 10 years that, you know, it's not something I really want to do. He's like, so what's your plan? Do you have a plan? I'm like, uh, yeah, I, I do. So my family, they have a business and I'm just going to go work for them. Um, while I go through school and I'm going to do these, you know, open mic nights at the comedy clubs. And he's like, okay. All right. So you, you, so you have a plan. That's good. That's good. <clears throat> So, and then he like completely changed his demeanor once he realized that the whole intimidation thing wouldn't work because I wasn't like 19. And he's like, 
All right. No, I was just trying to make sure that you were uh, you were squared away, man. Um, looks like you are. You got a plan. Glad to hear that. But if you ever feel like the conditions are not set, all <laughs> the way, or you know, you get out and I don't know, you poke your eye out while you're on ETS leave. Okay. Well, you know, just give me a call. Get you right back in, man. Put you in here for another year. That way you can better prepare for the outside. And I was like, Roger Bader, and I just get up and walk out. But like, <laughs> dude, they, they try so hard to keep you in and they make your last three months like heaven, you know, so that you don't want to get out. Right. But no, I, and I, I don't regret my time in the army. Um, I'm glad I did it. But the way I described it even before I got out was like, I'm glad I had this chapter, but I'm ready for the chapter to end, you know? Right. To go on to something else. Cause this is like, I, I did get benefit from the, the military. Um, but then once I saw it for what it was, I was just like, this isn't me. I totally get the need for it. I totally get right. You need people that are willing to give away their freedoms. Cause you can't just have an army and tell them to go to war. And then they're like, nah, you know, you, they have to follow orders, but that wasn't me. So I just got out. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> it's like, why would you want me to stay in? That, and that's what I that's what I didn't get either because like it's this guy's literally just trying to boost his retention percent. Right. It wasn't like I was some stellar soldier. I wasn't some PT stud. Like why why do you want me? I'm not even that good. I don't want to be here. Like <laughs> wouldn't you want someone that wants to be here and is knocking it out of the park? Like <laughs> and it's just right. Dumb. But <sighs> yeah. but anyways, brother. When, um, oh, go ahead. go ahead. Oh, uh, when I was on rear D, I had a uh, fucking medal of honor recipient mm. as my uh, platoon sergeant wow yeah ty carter i wow. he was my he was my i was there when he got the medal of honor right he got kicked out of afghanistan uh about the time i got hurt he uh pulled a gun on a uh, he pointed the rifle at a uh afghani lieutenant colonel like he was just doing gate guard and they knew he was going to get the medal of honor. Eventually uh, he was at cop Keating, but uh, the fucking dude just goes walking through the gate and he fucking pulls a rifle and he's like, get on the fucking ground, you piece of shit. And the <laughs> guys, you know, he looks, he's like down. And that's when the guy's uh, fucking Lieutenant, or whatever comes running up with the papers. He's like, oh, he's like, yeah, you're supposed to fucking papers come first, motherfucker. I don't care who the fuck you are. I don't care if you're the fucking president. Fucking Karzai <laughs> doesn't walk in here without fucking paperwork. And they sent him home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so he's my platoon sergeant. And we're running PT and this fucking baby private who just got out of basic and they got there too late. To deploy so they were stuck on rear d waiting for everyone to get back yeah and he's fucking <laughs> puffing on a fucking inhaler yeah oh, on the God. run and carter fucking takes the dude's fucking inhaler throws it on the ground and fucking stomps on it he's like that's not how it fucking works you fucking retard piece of fucking <laughs> shit and just screaming at the guy and the kid starts fucking crying like fucking crying and Carter's like bring him in and he just walks off 
And then the rear D commander comes and he grabs me. He goes, hey, uh, I need you to come to the office. And Sergeant Carter's in there and he's like, look, he's the platoon sergeant. Yes, I'm, I'm aware. No one talks to him. No one interacts with him. He stays in the fucking office. He is the platoon sergeant. You're running this platoon. He will tell you what he wants done, and you'll make it happen. You're the only one that is allowed to speak to him. So Why, I, though? I don't understand. Like, what was the... What What did he do wrong? Was, was that a big no-go even back then? He was going the fuck off on everybody all the fucking time. Oh, like, okay. if you fucking walked up to the dude and fucking your feet stinks... He's like, you will fucking scrub your fucking... He was just so fucking pissed. It yeah. took him a while to calm down, but... Because he was like, just fresh out of the, the armpit, right? And he got kicked out. He got kicked out of the army? No, he got kicked out of Afghanistan. They fucking oh. flew his ass home. They are like, you're too fucking... You're PTSD. You gotta fucking change your medication. Something's wrong. You know like, that's crazy when even a combat arms unit tells you you're you're getting a little yeah. too crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, uh, like, then he goes on vacation, and he gets a phone call. And they're like, hey, uh, the President of the United States is going to call you. Which we all knew this means they're gonna, he's going to congratulate him and, you know, tell him he's been awarded the Medal of Honor. And he goes, uh, look, I'm on vacation right now. I'm a little busy doing stuff. Tell Brock to call me tomorrow at this time and hangs up. I shit you not. <laughs> and we're just like, no, no, you fucking didn't. He goes on the late show with Jay Leno and tells the story. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I told him I'm, I'm, I was busy. Call back later. <laughs> and yeah. When he got the Medal of Honor, he changed completely. Like, we'd go through the fucking gate. We'd be on launch or something. We'd pull through the gate, and he's like, hey, uh, soldier. Yeah? Are you going to salute me? Uh, you're a staff sergeant. He goes, yeah. And what's that? <laughs> it's Medal of Honor, kid. You got to salute me. <laughs> and he's like... This goes against he's, everything I've been taught, but okay. <laughs> and he's like, that's fun. Let's go somewhere else. <laughs> it's like, man, well, um, well, we've been going for, let me see. I think we started around 640 and it's like 930. So we've, oh. we've been cooking, but but as we're wrapping this up, um, shall I read his medal of honor citation yeah was it staff sergeant ty m carter yeah okay i actually found him on facebook too i'm gonna message him and see if he's <laughs> like dude imagine if i got him on here man that'd be crazy that'd be awesome what if we did a joint one that'd be crazy <laughs> i don't know if yeah. he, i mean i don't know if he wants to be in the public sphere at all but I, I, i'll message him screw it he is an angry <laughs> motherfucker <laughs> although i'm sure he's not angry now I'm sure he's chilled out some. He's looks like he's uh got a happy family and everything now. So if I'm looking at the right guy. Um, bald guy. 
looks yeah like, uh, looks he's got a bunch of friends with uh guns and stuff so it and tattoos so I, yeah i think it's him but um yeah, I'll he him. looks he's fucking hilarious <laughs> fucking hilarious I'll, I'll hit him up i don't know if he'll come on but i'll hit him up um, yeah i don't blame him if he does it i'm sure the guy likes his privacy but uh anyways so the president of the united states of america authorized by act of congress march 3rd 1863 has awarded in the name of Congress the medal. Okay, this must be a different time, Carter. 1863. I think that's when the Medal of Honor became a thing. Oh, was he a specialist when he got the Medal of Honor? Uh, he was a specialist when the incident happened. Okay, yeah, that must be what it is because a uh, specialist didn't exist back in 1863. So, anyways, um. For conspicuous gallantry and intrepidity at the risk of his life above and beyond the call of duty, Specialist Ty M. Carter distinguished himself by acts of gallantry and intrepidity at the risk of his life above and beyond the call of duty while serving as a scout with Bravo Troop, 3rd Squadron, 61st Cavalry Regiment, 4th Brigade Combat Team, 4th Infantry Division. During combat operations against an armed enemy in Kamdesh District, Nuristan Province, Afghanistan, on October 3rd, 2009. On that morning, special Specialist Carter and his comrades awakened to an a, blah blah blah. Excuse me, Specialist Carter and his comrades awakened to an attack of an estimated 300 enemy fighters occupying the high ground on all four sides of combat outpost Keating, <clears throat> employing concentrated fire from recoilless rifles, rocket-propelled grenades, anti-aircraft machine guns. Mortars and small arms fire. Specialist Carter reinforced a forward battle position, ran twice through a 100-meter gauntlet of enemy fire to resupply ammunition and voluntarily remained there to defend the isolated position. Armed with only an M4 carbine rifle, Specialist Carter placed accurate deadly fire on the enemy, beating back the assault force and preventing the position from being overrun over the course of several hours. With complete disregard for his own safety and in spite of his own wounds, he ran through a hail of enemy rocket-propelled grenade and machine gun fire to rescue a critically wounded comrade who had been pinned down in an exposed position. Specialist Carter rendered life-extending first aid and carried the soldier to cover. On his own initiative, Specialist Carter again maneuvered through enemy fire to check on a fallen soldier and recovered the squad's radio, which allowed them to coordinate their evacuation with fellow soldiers. With teammates providing covering fire, Specialist Carter assisted in moving the wounded soldier 100 meters through withering enemy fire to the aid station and before returning to the fight. Specialist Carter's heroic actions and tactical skill were critical to the defense of combat outpost Keating, preventing the enemy from capturing the position and saving the lives of his fellow soldiers. Specialist Ty M. Carter's extraordinary heroism and selflessness above and beyond the call of duty are in keeping with the highest traditions of military service and reflect great credit upon himself, Bravo Troop 3rd Squadron 61st Cavalry Regiment, 4th Brigade Combat Team 4th Infantry Division, and the United States Army. Yep. Man. Yeah, uh, eight fuckers were killed. And a platoon, a cab platoon's like 20 people. Like, you had basically 20 dudes fighting off over 300 Taliban. Two Medal of Honor recipients came from that. Uh, one from Fort, Fort Lewis. Uh, he was at Fort Lewis. He was at a, a 2nd Brigade, 2nd Infantry Division when he received the award. 
but it was uh they were out of Fort Carson, Colorado. The the unit was. Everybody was injured. It went it went to hand to hand at points. Uh there were people at Cop Keating who got Kevlar kills. <laughs> Beat fucking Taliban to death with a Kevlar. Wow. Uh but not an MRE yeah. spoon, huh? No. <laughs> but yeah, that's why Ty was such an angry motherfucker. <laughs> and I'm sure he was super chill before. And I'm sure he's super chill now. But when I spent time with him, he had just gotten fucking kicked out of Afghanistan. <laughs> and he, he, he wanted to be in Afghanistan. He yeah. wanted to get some payback. <laughs> but he got the Medal of Honor out of it. And <clears throat> with no disrespect, he has a smoking hot redheaded wife. Uh, Stacy or Shannon. <clears throat> I think it's Shannon. Yeah. And she's she's a saint for putting up with him, too. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because I mean, man, it's it's tough on the military wives for sure. Yeah, you know, and I I haven't deployed myself, or I mean, technically, right. like the Latvia thing, but not not like a real one. You know what I mean? Um, because I I don't know I don't know how it was the culture was when you were in, but for us, it's always like if you if it wasn't a real combat deployment, it's not really a deployment. You know what I mean? Like we don't go around saying you're deployed unless you've been in a combat deployment. But when I got to my first infantry unit, some fucking cherry slick sleeve walks up and he goes, Oh, you were second infantry when you deployed? I'm like, Yeah, I was with uh, 8 1 Cav. He goes, Oh, Cav unit. So you didn't get a real deployment. <laughs> and I was like, You listen here, you fucking tam <laughs> you, you tampon cord fucking pussy ass infantry fucking cock sucking bitch. And just start fucking yelling at the guy. Yeah, yeah. And that's about the time when first sergeant comes and he's like, "The fuck!" And he pulls me in. And he's fucking giving me shit. Like you can't say that about the infantry. I'm like, "Listen, you're a little cherry, slick sleeve fucking piece of shit over there." And he's like, "Well, I mean, you did deploy with the cab." I'm like, "Yeah." You know what that means, first sergeant? It means we did it right. Because <laughs> yeah. you know, top. If you ain't if you ain't Cav, he's like, don't call me Top. I was <laughs> like, Roger, Chief. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I was checked out by that point. I was done. Yeah, my last uh, year and a half in the army, I was the biggest fucking prick that ever lived. I hated everybody. <laughs> I fucking hated everybody. <laughs> I didn't want to be there. I was in a shitty unit and they were treating me like shit. Yeah. And I was like, nope, fuck you. Well, that that's the thing is like, you know, if you've never deployed, I mean, most of the time that's not your fault. I mean, it's just right. you didn't get deployed. But I think it's an important thing to note in the military is like, you kind of have to know your place. Like if you haven't deployed, that's fine, but don't go around acting like you're, you know, yeah like you have been you know telling war stories when you did hurricane support or whatever it was i will talk shit to the marines all day every day and the marines will talk shit to me all day every day 
Yeah. But as soon as some civilian comes up and starts talking shit to the Marine, I'm like, oh, no, nah, fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's. Yeah, exactly. Fun. Right. Because it's like we could talk smack to each other. Um, like yeah. I talk smack to my little brother. But then yeah. some of my other little brothers are like, and the Marines are better. I'm like, what do you know? What do you know? Yeah. Little one. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like, you're not allowed to make that joke. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um and i but i did learn that because like we had a lot of people that had went overseas and stuff like that and you just you know they come back and tell stories and they're always like the cool guys because they kind of pull you in and yeah tell you like how it really works you know but nothing makes me more pissed when someone's like because i deployed i can talk shit no no you got orders to go now if you fucking got in your car and drove into a war zone and started fighting on your own fucking merit, yeah. then you can start shit talking others for not being there. But you were ordered to go there. You were sent there. All right. Yeah. Now, that doesn't give you the right to fucking talk shit to other soldiers because they haven't deployed. But if it's merited, yeah. Like, you never call someone a slick sleeve because that's derogatory. But if they're talking shit, then they open themselves up to it. And then you can call them slick sleeves. Now, when you were in, would a E5 be considered a cherry if they never deployed? Or is it only if they're a new E5? Uh, buck sergeants, the brand new sergeants, uh, which I found out apparently that's racist uh, to call them buck sergeants. Why? I thought you call them buck sergeants because they are young and bucking. Because once you become sergeant, you have to assert your dominance by mm. yeah. throwing your weight around. Apparently, buck sergeant uh, is an old slave reference. To call really? A young buck. And it's like, yeah, I, I don't think that applies. No, it's racist. Like, he's white. I'm white. Calling him Buck Sergeant because he's a new sergeant. Well, I mean, like, let's be honest. No one's actually thinking that deep into it when they say Buck Sergeant. They're not right. like, yeah, I'm going to call this guy a racial slur. <laughs> it's like, right. no, man, it's just what everyone calls it. Yeah, like yeah. Uncle Ben. Yeah, I get that. But uncle is a common term in the black community for older guys. It, it's a sign of respect. Yeah. Uncle now, and Aunt Jemima, yeah, sure, it should have changed to Miss Jemima, but Auntie, yeah, that that's not that's not a term of endearment anymore. But Uncle still is. Oh, if you watch Creed, uh, he's calling uh, uh, Rocky. He's like Unk, Unk, Unk. It's a term of a uh, endearment. It may yeah. have started out racist, but it's not now. And I mean, I. Maybe I'm giving myself away here, but I have a lot of black friends, Mexican friends, yeah. white friends, like, and we say the most horrible things to each other. Oh, yeah. And, but it's all in good fun. No one's actually, no one actually means the horrible things they're saying. Right. The game is just, what's the most messed up thing I could possibly say? And it's just a game. Like, that's all you're doing, you know? It's what you do with friends, you know? Yeah. Uh, like my last friend, he's bisexual, or sorry, the last podcast, one of my friends that was bisexual, we kept calling him half gay 
You know, it's yeah. like, oh, he's only half gay, bro. You know, right. but we're just messing around. Like, we have him on the podcast for a reason. He's a friend. We're just, yeah. You know, and he'll, he'll turn around and make fun of. We you know. shit talk each other. It's yeah. how friends are. Yeah. That's the way. And someone from the outside's like, that's racist. Well, yeah. I'm being extremely racist to my buddy because it's funny. And he's getting a chuckle out of it. Yeah. It's like, it's like you joke about banging each other's moms. Yeah. You're not actually going to do it. Yeah. Although, you know, occasionally you will. Yeah. Um, and then, like, my one friend, every time I call him, he calls me gay boy or he calls me, I guess I'll say the F word since this is going on YouTube and I don't yeah. want it to get banned or whatever. But he also has gay friends and he's he's not homophobic right. or bigoted at all. He's just, it's just, you know. I don't know. Now, would he go and say that in front of other people? No, but... It's like, I live with a gay dude, right? And uh, one of my... Two of my best friends in the world are this lovely married couple. And uh, people always... Sometimes people are like, he's gay? No, he's not gay. His husband is, but he's not. It's like, wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) How's he not... It's a joke. <laughs> Calm down. But he um, was a, oh yeah, I know. No, I'll no, go, go on, on and on. on. Uh, he was over at the house, and uh, he went ran, He went to run to get. He's like this big redneck. He's got a mullet. Listens to country music. Hank Williams Jr. You know, he's oh, as yeah. redneck as they come. Yeah. And he went to. Uh, the dogs were playing, and he ran over to get something from the dog. And I'd never seen him run before. And he runs really gay. And dad's like, you know, never never really could tell he was gay. Till I saw him run. <laughs> and when he gets back, I'm like, hey, you know what dad just said? And dad kind of looks. And I told him, and he goes, that's funny. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I do. The two things I do gay is uh i uh i run gay and i suck dick pretty gay (laughs) (laughs) it's like oh that's hilarious yeah and as a joke i'm i say the most homosexual things i can to my uh friend who's i don't want to call him homophobic because he's not But he's uncomfortable yeah around it yeah because like you know he doesn't want to he he has no problem with what people do but he's not yeah. comfortable, like he's not a touchy person. Or he's, yeah, so like if he saw two dudes making out, it'd, it'd be like, oh, yeah, he'd like, like, oh, and yeah. that's the guy you dry hump constantly. Yeah, so I always just say the gayest things to him just to just to get yeah. him going, you know, just to mess with him, or right. you know, just grab his ass from time to time. Yeah. Now people will hear this though and think that you know I'm clearly. Uh, just a a monster of some sort yeah. you know it's like no man like it's it's just it's how things have always been you talk smack to people and it's only in recent times that that's become right such a big deal you know it's like i only call him racial slurs because he's black yeah. if he were mexican i'd say you know anti-mexican things if he likes the green bay packers i'll talk shit about the green bay packers yeah like He's from Tennessee, so I always talk shit about Tennessee. Yeah. I like Tennessee, but I talk shit about it. 
Yeah. There's a hand. I make fun of Italy, but I love Italy. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I think it's something with us as guys, too. I think, you know, like women don't necessarily go around talking smack to each other. No. They're more like, oh, my God, what's going on? You know. They um, build each other up and then tear each other down behind closed doors. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas yeah. us, we tear each other down, but then build each other up behind closed doors. Yeah, because it's like I may talk all the smack in the world to my best friend, Ephraim, who's come on here. And um, but like the moment that guy actually needs some help, you know, or same thing with Jack. Another, I guess, I don't want to just say best friend for everyone, but they're all close friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another equally close friend. He's um, we're always talking smack to each other. But the moment I need something, the moment he needs something. Yeah. We got each other. That's just how it works, you know? So. Yep. And I used to worry about things I'd say on here, but I feel like the more you give in to the PC culture, the more yeah. you're allowing it to grow. And it's yeah. it's better for us to just say, just to speak our mind and just be as honest as we can, be respectful, you know, don't be obnoxious, yeah. but just be real. And then whatever happens, happens. That's kind of my take on you i hope this youtube channel doesn't get struck down i'd love to make money from it someday but yeah if it does i i'm not gonna change what i say i might not say certain words but i'll still say the f word or whatever like i'll still get my point across yeah and if my channel gets struck down because of it so be it because like the way yours was struck down that was completely unfair i mean you didn't actually do anything wrong you were just playing out a a video and you happened to wear a hat yeah. In support of a president who was a president that you supported. Nothing yeah. wrong with that. I mean, uh, they weaponized politics in a way to silence people. And it wasn't what I said. It was who I was. They did not want a pro-gay message being associated with President 45. That's all it was. If I they it was a good message and I wore a MAGA hat because I wanted to express that I live with a gay Trump supporter. A gay Trump supporter. Yeah. Uh, Donald Trump got more gay votes than any Republican. Wow. He also got more Hispanic votes than any uh, Republican. Wow. He also got the highest black vote of any Republican. Because he was someone that may not have been perfect, but he was the first person that was telling us the truth in that world. Yep. And he was the only candidate that showed up at the Pulse nightclub shooting. Hillary didn't want to show up because she didn't want to be Islamophobic. Yeah. I, I went back the other day, I ate a hemp gummy <laughs> before I went to bed. And... um I was just going back and watching the presidential debates between Hillary and Trump. And I mean, like, yeah, the guy, the guy actually did kind of sidestep a few questions and all that, but I I feel like you kind of have to, if you're in that game and he nailed her to the cross on certain things, Yeah, you know, that like what he's like, I think he said, uh, I'll release my tax information when she releases the 33,000 emails she deleted. Yeah. <laughs> and he's yeah. just, he's not letting her off the hook, man. He keeps her when, on the spot. When she's like, you talk bad, or what you, 
grab him by the pussy, you know, you're disrespectful to women. He goes, that's great coming from you. Look who you're married yeah. to. <laughs> it's like, but, ooh. And it's like, man, what do you, what do you want from a president? Like you want someone that's been successful in a similar realm. And then, you know, granted managing a country is not the same as managing a business, right? But, you want someone that's real. And if you get someone that's real, you're going to find out some of their secrets. Like at least yep. he wasn't at Epstein Island or was right. he? I don't remember. He wasn't. But, okay. uh, he actually banned Epstein from his property because Epstein was hitting on a underage waitress. Really? It made her uncomfortable. And he kicked him out. He kicked him out of uh, uh, Mar-a-Lago over it. That's what I'm saying. Cause like these other people, they have way worse stuff than just grab yeah. her by the pussy. It's just you haven't found out about it because they're, they're I mean, better at hiding it. Joe Biden's diary, his daughter's diary, the FBI confirmed it when they raided Project Veritas and took the diary. That confirms that it was real. And she writes in the diary about being 13 years old and showering with her dad. Even hearing stuff like that is just... And there's other bad stuff. He abused his daughter. Yeah. According to her. According to her, he abused her. This is Epstein's daughter? Is that what you're saying? No, uh, Joe Biden's daughter. Joe Biden's daughter, okay. Joe Biden's daughter, her diary got sold to uh, Project Veritas. And while they were trying to confirm it, the FBI raided and took it back. Didn't charge with any crime, just took the diary. And said, it's private property. You can't have her diary. She doesn't want you to have it. It's like, oh. But they already read it and copied it what, what, what's with these powerful people yeah it's it's weird because it seems like you know when you get people that are as powerful as like the richest of the richest and you know the highest ranking politicians and stuff they always seem to have some weird shit they're into like kids i don't think they're we they're into weird shit until they become powerful and i think the reason why they do a lot of these things is because I'm so powerful. I can get away with this. I'm yeah. doing the worst thing possible because I'm powerful and I can do it. You think it's like a God complex kind of thing? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Peter, Peter Scully, the worst monster alive today. Uh, if you look him up, his crimes, he was a criminal, a thief, money launderer. And then he fled Australia, went to the Philippines. And when he got there, he did some awful, horrible things. And, you know, he was a husband and a father who never had any dirty, perverted things in his life until he got there. And he was like, I have money, I have power, and no one can stop me. And he did the worst things you could possibly do until eventually he did get caught. Yeah. And... They should have given him the death penalty, but Philippines don't have it. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Although they might bring it back now that they got the new president. Yeah. Because they should. There's some crimes that, and I'm murder, whether you pro anti death penalty, I get it. I understand. I got my personal feelings on the death penalty, but there are some crimes, no questions asked. Put him to death. Put him in the chair. Uh, Epstein should have been put in the electric chair. Yeah. Shouldn't have gone to prison. He should have gone to a rope. 
There's yeah, there's a difference between petty crime, like you stole a TV, you robbed a house, whatever. And then true evil, because like greed, in my opinion, it is evil, but it's a it's a low level. Like at least when you're doing that stuff, it's low level. But when you get into true or maybe it's not true evil, but more intense evil, that's that's when you start doing some of these extreme crimes. And once you get into that world, I mean, I don't know. I guess the the Bible would say that there is still a chance at salvation. But the Bible also says if you lead one of my little ones astray, it would be better for you to be, what is it, cast into the, the ocean with a millstone tied around your neck or yeah. something like that. So, I mean, it's a little, um, I'm not exactly sure where the Bible stands on that. I'm sure it's clear. I just haven't read all the way through but and the thing i love about the bible is it's not clear on anything uh well not it's clear on some things it's never it's never concrete yeah it's lots of allegory lots of stories we can both read the exact same verse and take it in two different ways because we're all different people we all have the same uh, higher power but he speaks to us all differently mm-hmm. well and one of the hard things of the bible to accept is uh that all sins are equal so me lying to you about the color of my shoes is just as bad as what jeffrey epstein did right to me that's that's a that's kind of hard to accept but i guess in the bible's view all sins are sins and the only one that's right. unforgivable is uh blasphemy against the holy spirit but still if someone messes with a kid that i know like a little sibling right. or or my kid whenever i have one it's not going to be let's go pray about this you know right. and I don't, I don't think it ever should be when but... jesus returns he will return with a sword at his side yeah uh the kingdom of heaven tolerates violence and the violent shall take it by force so uh, matthew eleven twelve. uh jesus wasn't necessarily uh he wasn't necessarily coming in and um, trying to make peace with the way things were at the time. Right. He caused a lot of chaos because he was kind of the, um, he was pushing some very controversial ideas. Yeah. And when he, I mean, he, he kicked some ass when he, the money lenders in church, I mean, fucking power bombed someone through a table, you know, grabbed a bullwhip. I mean, yeah. he was, he was a fighter. Yeah. Who preached love and peace. But General Patton said, no one appreciates peace more than the soldier. For he has seen it paid for with blood. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, Master Sergeant Benavides said Badass. something similar. Yeah. In his, in his speech. And yeah, he was, he was awesome. Um, yeah, he had a lot of great speeches too. Uh, Cause he, I don't know what his mission was with all the speeches. Like if it was a campaign of sorts or just motivation, I don't know what like led him to do all those speeches, but a lot of his speeches were really powerful as far. And when you listen to it, it's like, it reminds you of what America was supposed to be in the past. Yeah. Like, 
Like it, he's just a good old school American that, you know, yep. believed in all the traditional values. He was telling kids stay away from drugs. Even after all the stuff he'd seen, that was like one of the things that he was concerned with, you know? Yeah. Ty Carter has a, uh, or he used to, he had this uh, campaign. He was doing uh, PTSD to PTS, take the disorder out of it. Mm. And, you know, like you have PTSD, but you can live with it and turn it to PTS. It doesn't have to be a disorder for you. Well, because it's a perfectly normal reaction to what you went yep. through. Yeah. So and it's not that, like there's something wrong with you. It's perfectly normal to react the way you're reacting after going through what you've been through, you know? And he went through some shit and he seriously had some PTSD. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, uh, deeply offended by an inhaler. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, fuck, man. I get it. You earn the right to be that much of an asshole, but can you calm down a little bit? <laughs> yeah, I actually had an inhaler myself. Um, the army didn't know about it because you weren't allowed to have one. Right. I don't know how that guy did, but um, I always got mine from the Italian pharmacy. It was like two bucks. Yeah. Two bucks, and I don't even have insurance. I'm not a citizen of the country. Um, and then now from the VA... If you make less than like, I think it's like 42,000 a year, you get a, basically you don't have to pay for medical services and you get discounted right. pharmaceutical medications and I don't make 42,000 a year. And so even with my discounted pharmaceutical medications, it's still 24 bucks per inhaler. And it's like, but yes. over in Italy and granted, they're probably paying a lot of taxes, but like you, I was able to get an inhaler for two bucks, right? No insurance. Uh. It just sold it to me for two bucks but anyways um so i guess we'll wrap it up in the unlikely event this video becomes viral and, and gets hundreds of thousands or millions of views or whatever uh you're the rambling doc j that's the name of your channel yep and uh, what's your other platforms uh i'm on odyssey under rambling doc j uh twitter uh I think it's Doc J is on YouTube. And uh, on Rumble, I am the Drunk Libertarian. <laughs> the Drunk Libertarian? Why'd you change it? Because uh, I plan on Rumble being where I rant about politics. Because you can like, say whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So everything I do goes to Rumble, but I'm going to try to do some specific Rumble things and get some drunken yeah. rants nice well i'm also on rumble if anyone's watching this and i get like no view i barely get views on this but i get like no views on rumble so Same uh, here. check out both of our rumbles please <laughs> yes um and then also in the unlikely event this thing that you know ty watches this any words for him uh I asked you on staff duty to tell me the seven levels of reconnaissance and you laughed at me and called me a prick and made me do push-ups. <laughs> I'm glad to see you're doing better. And, <laughs> and if, if I'm ever in Washington, 
I'll buy you a beer and make <laughs> nice you do man. push-ups. <laughs> and yes, I will salute the Medal of Honor. <laughs> That's good, man. Um, all right. Well, go ahead and end it here. Thank Thanks you for, for having on. me, man. Yeah. Yes. For, uh, we should do it again, brother. Yes.